Listen up. I won't sugarcoat it. This is the longest cold flu and allergy season we've ever seen, but we're not alone. We've got Instacart. Sure, you may be a coughing snot faucet who just wants mommy, but you're not giving up! Not when cold medicine, fragrant herbal teas, and honey shaped like bears can be delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. Now let's go win the sick playoffs! Daddy, I just want my soup. Oh, sorry, Sport App says it'll be here in, in a few minutes. <laughs> Instacart for the win. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. US Q3 2023. Intro for Jack Fritz here on Sports Radio 94 WIP. I did that right in front of Rob Ellis, and he is still here. He's not. He's he's refusing to leave the studio. He's not leaving the studio. I mean, that is apparently his song. But me and Kyle came together and said, "Not for long, pal." Well, welcome on in, Jack Fritz, here with you on Sports Radio 94 WIP two one five five nine two. 94-94. There is a lot to get into. Uh, I, I'll get into it with, with you all today. I mean, we got some Maury stuff, Harden stuff, uh, baseball lockout, continuing on, a personal dilemma that I, that I need some help with. But I want to start here because it's one of those times where I feel like I have to be a leader for this fan base uh, and really a leader for the front office as well. I mean, there's a lot of pressure on my shoulders hosting this show on a Sunday afternoon at 3 o'clock. Because, frankly, I think a portion of this Eagles fan base and maybe even the front office are being very dumb, short-sighted, and, frankly, not privy to the direction that the NFL is going. And what I mean by that is this whole idea that the Eagles need to go out and trade assets for a franchise quarterback. I am here today to say that the Eagles need to focus on building the roster, not getting the quarterback. 215-592-9494. There was a report last week from Albert Breer with SI saying that the Eagles are positioned to take a big swing at quarterback. And frankly, that is stupid logic for this football team. Kyle Quinn producing the show today. Are you a baker? A baker? Yeah, like do you do you cook? Do you bake? Do you do any of that stuff? I, I like to try and cook. Bacon's not my thing. It's too scientific. It's, it is. It's very complicated. <laughs> it is. And personally, I don't. I, I can't bake and I can't cook. And the main reason for that, I would say, is that I get impatient. And I don't have the patience to sit there and, and prep it all, prep the oven, get all the ingredients, mix it all together, and have the, the you know, three hours or whatever, or two and a half hours to, to make a proper, you know, pie or, or dinner. I, frankly, 
am an impatient person when it comes to that stuff. And that's kind of how I feel about this Eagles quarterback situation and this whole idea of, hey, we need to trade in assets and and go get a franchise quarterback in here because we're running out of patience for some reason. We're just saying, hey, I don't feel like waiting for this thing to to be made right. I'm going to get halfway through. I'm going to have all my ingredients all ready to go. And you know what? Screw it. I'm just going to put it in the oven and see what happens. And I'm here to say that that is illogical. The Eagles need to focus on building the roster, not getting the quarterback. 215-592-9494. It's like we've forgotten or we don't watch the rest of the league and see how winning is actually done in, in football. Winning is not done by, hey, let's go get a great quarterback and let and that's going to fix all of our problems and Super Bowls are going to be delivered year in, year out when we go get a franchise quarterback. Let's look at recent history. I'll go back just to the divisional round of this year's playoffs. Here were the teams involved. Rams, Bucks, Niners, Chiefs, Bills, Bengals, Titans, Packers. Let's start with the Rams. Great roster. They spent years building up that roster out in Los Angeles. We know Sean McVay is a great coach, but what he saw when they got to the Super Bowl back in 2018 was that Jared Goff wasn't good enough. Everything else was in place for that team besides the quarterback. They had a great roster and a great head coach, and the Eagles went and the, and the Rams went out and got Matthew Stafford. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Everyone loves to make a big deal. Oh, oh, Brady went in and changed the culture. And to an extent, I believe that's true. But what the Bucs really had was an elite roster with a quarterback that was throwing 30 touchdowns and 30 interceptions in Jameis Winston. And what did they do? They went out and got the quarterback. Sure, they added Rob Gronkowski and Leonard Fournette, but the, the basis of that roster was already set around Tom Brady. The San Francisco 49ers. That roster is loaded with talent. So much talent that it made Jimmy G this like great winner. 33 and 14 in his career, Jimmy G. But now they're already looking to upgrade by going up and getting Trey Lance last year to upgrade what is already a great roster and a great head coach in, in Kyle Shanahan. The Chiefs. We all know the Chiefs story. They had Alex Smith. That roster was already playoff caliber. And they went out and they drafted Patrick Mahomes and he's turned into a Super Bowl champion and an MVP. The Bills, great roster, spent years building it up, built that defense, did it the right way, went out, got Josh Allen, were patient with him, got Stephon Diggs, and look at where that team is at. I think they win the Super Bowl next year. The Bengals. Now, this is where it gets tricky. The last three here, Bengals, Titans, Packers. The Bengals were just a disaster. For the last, th- I mean, they won their first playoff game in 31 years this year. They got a special quarterback, but you know what else they did? Is they spent 60 million dollars around him. They brought in seven players on defense. It's not just Joe Burrow, and I think Joe Burrow is phenomenal. But it's not just Joe Burrow. They went, they got the quarterback, and then they built around him. And you saw where they got this season. The Titans, great roster, but we see we saw in the playoffs that they have a limited ceiling, and the Packers. Listen, great quarterback, all-timer, loses in the playoffs all the time. He can't lift everyone else up 
around him. Of all those eight teams, I believe that five are replicable. And the Eagles can do that. Because they need to focus on building the great roster first, not focusing on the quarterback. That's what all of those teams did. Rams, Bucks, Niners, Chiefs, Bills. The Titans need to upgrade a quarterback. The Bengals got a special quarterback, but still built around them. And the Packers, who might have the best quarterback of them all, don't have a good enough roster around him to lift him up. 215-592-9494. The Eagles need to focus on building this roster, not getting the quarterback. It is such faulty logic to sit there and say, hey, let's go get the quarterback and it'll fix all of our problems. That is foolish. That's not even talking about the, 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 the just playoff teams. Let's look at the teams that have actually won the whole thing. We just talked about the Rams. Great roster, got the quarterback. Bucks, same thing, year before. Great roster, got the quarterback. Chiefs, great roster, got the quarterback. Patriots, the best quarterback ever. They scored three points in the Super Bowl. What's that tell you? Great roster. Eagles, we all know that team. Wentz was special. He was MVP caliber, got hurt. They don't win the Super Bowl if the rest of that roster wasn't fantastic. Patriots, best quarterback ever we know. Denver, Peyton Manning is the worst quarterback I've ever seen win a Super Bowl, bar none. Why'd they win the Super Bowl? The rest of the roster was fantastic. New England, again, they're, they're an outlier, still have a great roster, and the best coach of all time, best quarterback of all time. And then Russell Wilson's first Super Bowl. Why did they win the Super Bowl? It wasn't because of Russell Wilson. They won the Super Bowl because of a great roster. How much more information do I have to prove to you and Howie Roseman and this Eagles front office that a quarterback doesn't fix everything? Going out and trading for one of these guys is not making the Eagles a real Super Bowl contender. Every single Super Bowl contender needs a great roster. The Eagles do not have that. Great quarterbacks don't win championships. Great rosters do. Why are we forcing this to try to go get Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, or Deshaun Watson? We're talking about mostly those three quarterbacks. When was the last time any of them have won anything? Aaron Rodgers hasn't won since 2011. Jimmy Garoppolo has more playoff wins than Aaron Rodgers in the last decade. What's that tell you? The roster's not good enough, and maybe Aaron Rodgers chokes in big moments. Russell Wilson. I love Russell Wilson. Has not won since 2014. That team has not been close to as good when they had to pay Russell Wilson and and they let defensive stars go and haven't drafted as well. He's a special quarterback. I know that. 40 touchdowns last two years ago. Got hurt last year. Team was terrible. But the fact of the matter is, once that roster wasn't as great, Russell Wilson stopped winning. And Deshaun Watson, who I don't want here, and I don't want to have to root for as the Eagles quarterback, he won four games in his last year. Four games. Great rosters win championships, not great players. I'm not in the business of having a fun football team. Like, oh, and going and getting a franchise quarterback and saying, oh, wow, it's so fun. We have Russell Wilson or Deshaun Watson or Aaron Rodgers or any of those guys. That would be a very fun thing to have here in Philadelphia. But what it doesn't actually lead to is winning. 215-592-9494. Which camp are you in? D 
do you want the Eagles to go out and get a franchise quarterback and you'll figure out the rest later? Or are you with me that you want to build this roster up and then go get the quarterback? There's no rush for this because that's where I'm at. I don't think it's time for this team to go in to try to get a franchise quarterback. I don't buy the notion that, oh, they made the playoffs last year and they're an ascending team. We have to kind of separate this Eagles team from that playoff run and look at it contextually. I think if you're out there and you're saying, wow, impressive season, that's fine. But what really happened this year? They played the worst quarterback crop I've ever seen the Eagles ever play, and they made the postseason. They faced a real team who put, you know, they stacked the box. Jalen Hurts looked incompetent. They couldn't move the ball, and they got blown off the field. They're not ready to to go and get a franchise quarterback and turn this whole thing around. They are better off slow building, build up their roster, and in a year or even two years, go and trade for an elite quarterback. Don't spend the assets now. 215-592-9494. Which camp are you in? Are you in the camp of go get a franchise quarterback and figure out the rest later, or are you with me? Slow build this thing. Build the right way. Focus on building up the roster. Use those draft picks to build this roster and get this thing right, and then cash in those assets. Where are you at? We'll get your calls on that coming up next. Welcome back. Jack Fritz here with you on Sports Radio 94 WYP. 215-592-9494 is how you get in. You can also chime in on Twitter at Jack Fritz WIP, which many people have because I can't pronounce freaking bangles right. Yeah. that yeah. Like, I don't get it. I, I've, I've said, it's, is it bangles? Like bang? No, or is it bang? It's spelled with an E. So it's right. bang. 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 No, bang. Right. So the bangles... That better? No. No. So, like, so say you're trying to say like Ben Simmons, right. like Bengals. Bengals. Yeah, that's closer. Bengals. Yeah, yeah. There well, you go. Yeah, sometimes you got to go over the top to get it right. So. Uh, yeah, but it's kind of like it reminds me when people say like penguins, you know? Right. Like it's just not right. No, it's not. So listen, I can't help it. Sometimes I feel like my accent's pretty good. Like I don't have a, a total Philly hoagie mouth like Kyle Quinn. But, yeah, I definitely do. But you, you definitely do. But Bengals is the one that I just I, I can't get past and. Marks loves to roast me on it, um, and now you know our former boss Spike Askin is <laughs> is chiming in on Twitter, which is always good to good to hear. At least you're self aware, because I've heard national like uh, what's his name, Chris Collinsworth's son, right, Jack Collinsworth, and Chris Collinsworth himself, who used to play for the Bengals. Bengals can't pronounce them. The, they can't can't pronounce it properly. They call them the Bengals. Which yeah. is I mean, it's a shame. I know it is, but we're working on it. This is a growth mindset that I've been working on. Two one five five nine two. 94-90. We're starting the show here talking about the Eagles because it's really the, the, the most important thing going on in the city right now. The, the Sixers are great, but we all know that the most important thing in this city is is the Eagles quarterback situation. And we have a thing going on right now at the station here. Uh, WIP picks the QB. And I just find the whole idea of trading assets and, and going and using them to, to get a quote-unquote franchise quarterback in here is missing the entire point. You're not any closer to really winning by going out and, and trading for one of those guys. Like, you look at the Eagles, and, and you have to think about how would what they have change here. You go get Russell Wilson, you go get Aaron Rodgers, Deshaun Watson. What changes? You have a great quarterback. Those guys, I still believe, are great. I'm not giving up on Russell Wilson. 
I think he got hurt last year and wasn't the same. Aaron Rodgers, don't think he's coming here, but for the the the, the point of the conversation, I will entertain that Aaron Rodgers might come here or Deshaun Watson. Like, the roster is still not good enough, and then you have to give up draft picks on top of that to go get those guys, and on top of that, you have less cap space to work with. So essentially, you're building the same situation that these guys are already leaving. Awesome. Sounds great. Sounds like sign me up. And I get how thirsty we are for a great quarterback around here because we haven't really had an all-time all-timer. I mean, Donovan's the closest one. Randall is probably the most talented. But we've never and Carson for that one year looked like we finally had the guy for the next decade. And I know how important it is. But look at what actually is winning around the NFL. It's great rosters that go get the quarterback or draft the quarterback. If I had my perfect situation, Eagles bring back Jalen Hurts, who I don't think is a realistic option as a franchise quarterback here. You bring him back. You use those draft picks, whether or not you trade one or two of them to move up in the draft and try to get an impact player, or you use one of them for for a trade for next year's draft. Either way, I am continuing to build this thing rather than saying, hey, I'm going to push all my chips in, go get a franchise quarterback in here so that I can deplete my draft assets and ruin my cap space, which the Eagles already have the second most cap space in football right now. 215-592-9494. Jack Fritz here with you on Sports Radio 94 WIP. Which camp are you in? Do you want them to go get a franchise quarterback or do you want them to build this thing the right way? Let's start off with going to Collingswood and talking to Charles. What's happening, Charles? How you doing? Good, man. How do you feel about this? Which camp are you in? Well, first off, congrats on your show, man. Long time coming. Awesome. I'm happy for you. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. It's been fun. And I'm going to give you a prediction before the phone call, so please uh, keep me on until you get that prediction. But I cook for a living. I'm a chef, and I do it every day. And you definitely need those right ingredients around you to make uh, some a dish work. And right. You know, uh, I think I'm, I'm with you 100%. Uh, Hertz and this whole team is a is a is a work in progress, and and you need to get those elements. I've cooked for actually for DeCamera and Richie and those guys, and I bought bought them in some food. <laughs> was uh, how how picky was the camera? Like, were you able to use your whole menu, or was it like very tidy? Uh, yeah, very limited. Yeah, he, uh, yeah, he's a strawberry Nutella kind of guy. So yeah, he screams <laughs> limited palate. I don't think he has. A, whereas Richie, I feel like would eat anything. The camera, yeah. I'm pretty sure, is like afraid to eat anything that's not that he can't see. Yeah, Richie got the bias, and it was spicy and good, and he, he loved it. But uh, real quick with the prediction, I think Hertz is going to bring you three Super Bowls. Um, I'm, and you can and re- you have the show recording, so uh, right. you heard it, heard it here, heard it now. Three Super Bowls. And Kyle just Hurts. pulled that, and he's gonna he's gonna save it for uh, for th- when the Eagles do win three Super Bowls. Charles, I appreciate the call. Listen, I think that's insane. Um, and I, I appreciate Charles. I'm glad he cooked for our guys, and I'm glad he uh, he seems like he has good patience. He's like, is I can't cook, like uh, it's pretty bad at home. You know, it's just one of those things that I'm not good at because I just get frustrated and just want to just eat rather than have to go through the whole process of making it. Um, but if Jalen Hurts wins three <laughs> three Super Bowls, I will rock walk across Market Street in my underwear because there is that's getting pulled. Well, yeah, there's there's not like. No shot. Uh, and and I think he's a good kid, but 
if your main takeaway from that playoff game was like, wow, they need an upgraded quarterback to really win, I'm not sure that you, you frankly know what you're watching. 215-592-9494. We're going to go to Old City and talk to one of my favorite callers. Daniel, what's happening, buddy? Oh, it's an honor. One of my favorite producers turned radio host. That's truly exactly a, right. What do you got for me, Daniel? Truly a blessed Sunday. Well, I'm with you. You know, not only do I think that that last guy was, uh, you know, a little off his rocker, I think you got to build it slow. You know, you're, you're totally right. You look at all these great teams. They do it slow. They do it right. They build a great roster, and then they get the quarterback. And, and I think it's just unrealistic to expect that, that the Eagles will go out give away all their capital for, for Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, whoever, and then all of a sudden they'll go win a Super Bowl. It's unrealistic, you know? We trade for one of those guys, best-case scenario, we make it out of the wild-card weekend, and then what? Then we lose to one of these good teams that have a talented roster. We're not there yet. We just got to build it up. And, Daniel, isn't this whole thing more about about long-term keeping the window open rather than, oh, we can be a seven or six seed? Like that, That's why this whole playoff run last year was so annoying to me. Because we acted like it was some real accomplishment, when in reality, like they're they're still far, they're just as far away from winning a Super Bowl as they were even with them making the playoffs. No, I completely agree, and it's like you you want it at the end of the day. You want to see championships, you know. As much as we we like making it far in the playoffs, getting NFC Championship games, nothing ever compares to a Super Bowl, and that's what you're in it for. So there's no point in playing this half in half out game. Like, you want to win championships. That's the end goal. That is it. Yeah, Daniel, I, I completely agree. Like, like, it's funny. The Eagles even winning their Super Bowl, they couldn't keep the, the window open. I mean, they tried, but that team was – it's so hard to even compare them winning to any other team almost in NFL history because it was such a outlier. I mean, they won it with their backup quarterback. They, they won it with – Guys that were drafted mostly by Andy Reid and, and Chip Kelly. They won it by a bunch of one-year deals. Chris Long, Alshon, uh, Torrey Smith, Patrick Robinson. You go up and down the roster, and it's like, <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know what they did to be able to nail every single free agent signing that year, uh, but I, just, I don't think that's replicable. I don't think what the Eagles did in, in 2017 is something that you can – fall back on as as some blueprint to try to win in the in the long term I actually think that using the whole Andy Reid method even though they never won the Super Bowl is a is a better blueprint to how to how to build a a franchise because what Andy Reid did was he focused on building the roster and then got Donovan in the draft the problem for the Eagles is is a there's not really a true franchise-changing quarterback in this draft or even next year's draft. Like, we knew Trevor Lawrence was coming for a while. Now, of course, that can change. Joe Burrow came out of nowhere and turned into, I think, is going to be the next Tom Brady. And a guy like Zach Wilson came out of nowhere, and the, the future is not exactly – doesn't look exactly bright for him. So they, they're kind of stuck with – okay, we're not going to get high enough to get a real, true, franchise-caliber quarterback in the draft. They might have to take a flyer on a Malik Willis and hope that he turns into a, a Josh Allen prototype because he has that kind of upside. But even with Malik Willis, they might have to trade up for him. 215-592-9494. Which camp are you in? Do you want the Eagles to cash in assets and go get a franchise quarterback, or are you in the camp with me 
where you got to build this thing slowly, use those assets in, in, in drafts, focus on building the roster and not worrying about the quarterback. Focus on getting the roster right and going from there. So I, I kind of think there's one pretty big aspect to this that you're ignoring. Yes. And that's the fact that the NFC sucks and is probably going to be even worse next season. I mean, think about the teams that you'll be competing against. It's Dallas. It's Arizona, whose quarterback situation's up in the air. Uh, same thing with San Francisco between Garoppolo and Trey Lance. You don't know who's going to be the QB, whether or not they'll be any good. Aaron Rodgers could be leaving Green Bay. Tom Brady is leaving Tampa. I mean, who are you competing against in the NFC? It's the Rams and it's the Cowboys and maybe the Cardinals. I think this notion, this idea that the Eagles are so far away from competing with these teams in the NFC is just a little bit overblown and not so much because the Eagles are that good of a team, but because the rest of the conference is so weak. So here's my thing, and I'm glad you brought that up. And frankly, I was waiting for a caller to bring it up. I can't let the rest of the conference dictate how I build my football team. And sure, I understand that if they go go get one of these quarterbacks, it vaults them right to the top of the NFC. But I still don't see the right roster here. I still don't see the like the Rams had Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, Cooper Cup, Andrew Whitworth. They had a, a team in place before going and getting a Matthew Stafford. So I can't let the rest of the NFC being in a, in a downturn, the rest of the NFC not being in a, in a strong place, forcing me to go out and try to get one of these quarterbacks and try to expediate a process that doesn't need to be sped up. 215-592-9494. I guess we got to do it. He was all upset texting me before the show. And it got him so upset that he had to call in. Let's talk to my tall friend, Brandon Lee Gowden. How's it going, BLG? Well, Jackie, I got to say, I'm in the opposite camp. Oh, uh, you, you know, here's my problem with you is that you're a very smart guy. <laughs> and my worry is, is that you're making a very dumb decision. Mm, well, I think maybe you should maybe check yourself a little bit, buddy, because it might be the opposite way around. But here's what I'll say. Yes. Um, I think this isn't the NBA, Jack. This is the NFL. Like, turnarounds don't have to take multiple years. Did anyone think the Bengals were ready this year, the Bengals, as you might call them, to make the Super Bowl? Did anyone think the 2017 Eagles before the season were ready to make this big jump? Like, you don't know in the NFL when teams are ready to make that big leap. You don't know. And I, I, I agree with you on that. But you can still see the seedlings. Like, looking back, we should have thought the Eagles were going to be better than they, should, than they were going to be in 2017. And I understand the Bengals. But how are we getting Joe Burrow? I mean, you're not getting Joe Burrow, of course, but... I mean, you can get a future Hall of Fame quarterback who's out there, might right. be available. Uh, that's pretty good. And also, I right. think— Right, and then what, though? But what happens well, after you get them? You're underselling, I think. Well, you still have a lot of draft picks. You still have space to work with. It's not all gone. Like The people, the way people talk about acquiring a veteran quarterback this offseason, it's like the one move you can make, and then you're rock locked into the roster. That's not the case. This point, if Harry Roseman is as good as some of the his biggest fans say he is, then he can navigate that, and he can figure that part out. Quarterback makes a huge difference. Imagine Devontae Smith on a team that didn't rank last in the NFL in passing attempts, an yeah. offense that actually threw the ball and didn't have to run the ball. Like, imagine Quez Watkins with a better quarterback and how much more of a weapon he could be. Like, this roster takes a different shape with a much better quarterback. I think they do, too, and I think it would raise them to, obviously, a better level. 
But I also need to look for precedent. And I don't know what the precedent is for a team trading for a quarterback to jumpstart their rebuild rather than put them over the top. Like, do you think that a trade for Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, or Aaron Rodgers, which I don't think is happening, do you think that realistically puts them over the top or just gets them closer? Well, to the point about the conference, which I know you don't want to, like, include, but it's absolutely relevant. I mean, could the Eagles not have, conceivably, the best quarterback and best offensive line in the NFC if they get Russell Wilson? They could. Well, there you go. It's, that's not a bad starting point. It's not a bad starting point. But I also I don't want to let the whole NFC being a downturn sway my way of thinking because the AFC was down, and then now I look over there, and they have Burrow, Allen, and, and Mahomes, and teams like the Titans can't realistically compete. I don't want to get stuck in that position, BLG. All right, so we disagree on this. We're not going to you know make any ground here, but I do want to – you know. I'm at a point to make about Jalen Hurts, who obviously we're both not sold on. No. But I, just, I have one simple question for you yes. about him, Jack. Are you ready for the question? I am. Jalen Hurts is good at throwing the football. Jalen Hurts is not good at throwing the football. BLG, I will continue that conversation in a second. Good talking to you, pal, and I'll talk to you soon. Take it easy, Jack. All right. Yeah, no. My thing, I tried with Jalen. You know, I tried to do the whole intangibles and – oh, he's a special leader and a special person. And I think he is all that stuff. And I, I think he's a good worker. But, but the more and more the season went on and the more and more I watched him and then I got to the postseason and the game against the Bucks against a team that actually had a pulse, unlike the teams they played down the stretch, it was so evident that he's not good enough. And my whole thing with building the roster today and why – like, I, I, I believe the right path for the Eagles going forward is building the roster and not trying to get a quarterback. It has nothing to do with Jalen Hurts. I, I don't think Jalen Hurts has any chance to be a realistic option for a, a long-term franchise quarterback for the Eagles because he doesn't have the arm. And I know people will say, oh, he can get the ball there and, oh, he can work on that kind of stuff. You can't. Like, you can't teach arm strength. You can't teach accuracy. And the more you see around the league, like these aliens, like Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen uh, are just start, and even Justin Herbert, who isn't as mobile as those guys, but has just as strong of an arm. Like that's where the league's trending. Like the league is trending towards, hey, let's draft a quarterback with an unique, high upside skill set, and let's trust our coaching staff to get the most out of him. Guys like Jalen Hurts, who he can move, but he's not like a dynamic runner guys like him that throw 16 touchdowns like they're getting phased out and I don't think you can really win a Super Bowl with an arm as weak as Jalen Hurts like sure he can get the ball there but there's no zip it's not like he can just flick the wrist and throw it 60 yards down the field and it's like wow that's a special throw he's not that but you know what he is is he's a cheap bridge quarterback until you get the actual guy you hope he's Alex Smith in Kansas City before Patrick Mahomes got there. You hope he's Tyrod Taylor up in Buffalo before you get Josh Allen. He is a good bridge quarterback. He is not a franchise quarterback. 215-592-9490. Back to the phone. Let's talk to Spencer in New York City. What's happening, Spence? What's going on, Jack? Nothing much, man. How do you feel about this? You want to build a roster or go get the quarterback? No, I, th- I think you're exactly right, dude. I- I'm I'm loving what you're saying right now, honestly. Back when you were you were talking about Andy a minute ago, 
and you were talking about building the roster, and I think that is probably the way to go because, you know, we had an awesome team back then. Like, that team was crazy. We made it to, what, like two Super Bowls back then or something? No, well, they made it to one. They made it to three NFC Championship games. I mean, obviously yeah, yeah, they – that's, that's what I was thinking of. Yeah, uh, I mean – I was they, like four. I know. But, they, uh, and, and, Spence, they came up short, but, like, the foundation was still there. That's a foundation I can believe in. And, frankly, like, I don't believe in the foundation that's set right now to go get a franchise quarterback. Exactly, exactly. And you know what? You know what stuck out to me, though, that you said um, was that they were Andy's draft. Andy was drafting them. You know, Andy Reid, one of the, like, football football greats. You know, this guy, he knows the game inside and out. I don't think Howie is that guy. So why is he drafting for us? Yeah. I don't think – I don't trust in Howie to, like, see what Andy could see and to build, like, that strong of a team. I think everybody agrees – but how he does really well is like the wheeling and dealing, trading drafts and stuff. Yeah, and, and Spencer, I totally agree. And, and people will say, well, Howie Roseman's strength is not, you know, building through the drafts. He's a wheeler and a dealer. He's a, he's a guy that wants to trade, trade up, go get a guy. And he's obsessed with getting a franchise quarterback. And frankly, I, I, I know that's Howie's strength. But I can't let Howie get in the way of what I see consistently win in the NFL, which is building it right and then go getting the quarterback. I don't care that it's not Howie's strength. I need to focus on what's best for me. And if he's not that guy, then they should move on. Also, to his credit, last year was a good draft. I mean, they got Devontae out of it, which is a bit of a no-brainer. But taking a risk on Landon Dickerson, who had a ton of injuries at Alabama and turning into – him and my lot on the left side is a, a dominant tandem for the next hopeful, you know, six years. That's a massive win. I mean, Milton Williams late in the draft. I know Tom Donahoe was not a huge fan of the pick at the time, but turns out uh, how I might have got one right there. So, I mean, the fact that you got those players out of that draft leads me to to have some hope heading into the, the future here. I, they they seemed very um, purposeful, I would say, in getting Andy Weidel out in front of the out in front of the media, feels like maybe he's having more and more to do with the drafts. I don't know how Jeff and Saul the last couple of years and come to any other conclusion that, hey, if we're going to keep Howie here and like what he does well, which is trades and contracts, we need someone that can draft. And I think last year was maybe the beginning of Andy Weidel having more and more control on those drafts. 215-592-9494. I want to talk to one of my guys, and I want to see what he's cooking up on this Sunday night. Frankie in Roxborough, what do you got cooking tonight, pal? Hey, uh, I'm not cooking that. I'm cooking tonight uh, some uh, cod Ooh. and a baked potato and what else? I didn't figure that one out Is it yet. fried cod? Are you breading the cod? What are you working with? I'm baking it. Ooh, a little baked cod. Do you put tartar sauce on that? No, I, I make it kind of... Well, see, I'm just getting over COVID. Oh, I'm glad you're doing better. Uh, a lot better, and it affected my GI tract somehow. Oh. But uh, so I gotta, I gotta be limited on my spices. Gotcha. Well, how do you feel about the quarterback situation, Frankie? Do you want to slow build it or go trade assets for a guy right now? No, I don't want to do. I, I want to slow build. Uh, you're right on. I totally agree. With your opening statements, like uh, 
what I what I I like to make a point. Like I'm willing to give Jalen another year, uh, only due to the fact is that I watched a lot. I went I taped a lot of the games and I went back and I watched this and. Uh, Jalen Rager, and even Quez Watkins, they, they hardly got off the ball. The only time they really got open when, is when Jalen had to a, had a build time. And they were like triple-teaming uh, Devontae, uh, and they were double-teaming uh, Goddard. So he only had two really good options. And... And what did what did all these other teams have in common uh, that we don't have? Look at the Dallas Cowboys. Elite have, offensive weapons, Frankie. Right. Uh, San Diego, San Diego, L.A. Chargers, uh, Minnesota Vikings, uh, Buffalo Bills. I could go on and on. And look what uh, Kyler Murray did. I mean, in, in this playoffs, it's I'm just willing to let them go after some veteran wide receivers. Yep. We'll have the money, and in the draft, maybe uh, try to go up and get uh, this safety from um, from Notre Dame, Kyle Kyle, Kyle Hamilton, Hamilton. Yeah, which we haven't had an awesome safety like that. He's a game changer. Yeah, Frankie is a game changer. And he, uh, you know, it's so funny. The Eagles are so obsessed with getting a, a safety in here post Dawkins. I mean, Nate Allen, Jaquan Jarrett, Eric Rowe. Uh, and then they, they sort of lucked into Malcolm. I mean, Malcolm was a corner with the Saints. And we all remember Jarius Bird, TJ Ward, go get those guys. Eagles said no. And they got Malcolm Jenkins and he turned into an all-time great. Uh, I would be very surprised if the Eagles used assets to go up and trade for a safety. I'm not sure which would surprise me more, them drafting a safety in the first round or them drafting a linebacker in the first round. It would be it would be a major deviation from how this franchise has done things over the year. Uh, with Jalen Hurts, listen, I think he probably gets another year, but I don't really – like. I don't think there's anything he can do next year that would make me believe in him long term. Like, I just you, – you look at the talent. You look at where the league's going. You look at these quarterbacks around the league that can just – you know, flick the ball 60 yards, and he, he can't do it. Like, he, he has a, an okay arm. He has to wind up to throw it. He struggles going to his left. He's not particularly quick with getting rid of the ball. He's not that accurate. Like, he would have to take a, a Wentzian-level leap in, from 2017 to have me fully believing in him long-term. 215-592-9494. We'll continue your calls on that on the other side. Which camp are you in? Are you in the camp of... Hey, go trade those assets and go get a real franchise quarterback in here. NFC is weak. Your division is is weak outside Dallas. There's a potential future Hall of Famers available. Go get those guys. Or are you with me? You see how the rest of the league is being built. You see teams like the Rams. You see teams like last year with the Bucks. Different ways to build teams. But the fact of the matter is, is it was great rosters and then getting the quarterback. The Eagles should be prioritizing building this roster, not getting a quarterback. 215-592-9494. We'll get you calls on that. But also, I have a personal dilemma that I need your help with. What is it? 
I'll tell you that coming up next. That right there, the theme song to the popular show, Succession. Jack Fritz here with you on Sports Radio 94, WYP, 215-592-9494. how you join the show. Why am I playing the Succession theme song? I'm sure you're sitting out there wondering. So, I'm mad at United Airlines. Uh, I went to Hawaii, as I'm sure you all had heard about last week. And I was out, you know, two weeks ago, flying down there, and they offer in-flight entertainment. And they say, oh, here's all this free shows that we have, and, you know, you can watch it. And I'm scrolling through, and I've heard great things about Succession. I'm meaning to get into it. And it says, season one of Succession is now available through United. And I said, oh, that is fantastic. You know, it gives me something to do. It was a long flight, and I can really get into Succession. And I did. I really loved Succession. Maybe because I think the theme song is great and has a good mix of of humor and real drama. And I actually hate every single character, I think. I don't think there's one character. I'm like, wow, that's that's my kind of guy. Um, so I get through, I want to say, seven episodes. I return home because I have it on HBO Max. And I realize that they said they it was season one. But I get home. And it's actually season three. So <laughs> I feel lied to by the airline <laughs> United. Um, so I'm in this dilemma of like, well, I already know what happens. Do I go back and, and start over from season one, knowing that I already kind of have an idea of what happens in, in season three? Or do I just say, hey, I don't care what happened the first two seasons. I'll just stick on and, and stick here with, with season number three and, and wait for season number four. I feel betrayed. I feel lied to. I was really excited to get home and get through the rest of the series. But now it's like, well, I already know what's going to happen. Kyle Quinn, should I restart Succession or should I just you know kind of stick with it? So this is a juicy dilemma here because by all accounts, Succession is one of those shows that gets better and better right. as it goes on. Right. So from what I heard, the first... Uh, the first season's kind of slow until like until you get to like the last few episodes of the first season is where it really starts to pick up. So I mean, if you're watching it the opposite way, I mean, it's only going to trend downwards from what you saw, right? Because yeah. from what I hear, season three is the best, and I mean, you you are aware of how it ends, or at least what it is up to that point. So I mean, if you're into kind of like if you're really into like the lore, I guess, and like uh, the, the people, the characters, which it doesn't seem like you are. You said you hated everybody. I hate uh, them, but like I know that they make the show great. Like, right, right. It's so, it's a it's a it's a it's a show hate thing. So if you're into kind of like I don't know, like do, uh, I know you're a Sopranos guy. Did you like kind of seeing like the prequel, uh, prequel movie yeah, or whatever? Not, like, are you a prequel a, guy? There's never been one prequel I've liked so, in anything. So then, uh, in that case, I think uh, with that being said, you probably wouldn't enjoy, you know, kind of tying up all the. <laughs> but also, like I'm, si- I was sitting there like so confused. Like, how did we already get to this point? <laughs> like they, like they jumped the storyline ahead so far. They're talking about the guy's heart attack and like. Well, so I'm curious as to how long it took you to realize. <laughs> so you're telling me you watched the entirety of season three before you realized that that was not season one. I got eight episodes in. I think that's on you. 
Why? But it's not my fault. They labeled it as this is season one. It is, but like at a certain point, I'd be like, okay, there is a certain amount of information that I'm definitely lacking here in order to understand the show. Well, you know what's funny is I watched the first episode ever, like a couple years ago, and I didn't, I didn't fully get into it. Yeah. So I was like, oh, I'll just skip the first episode. I already saw that and get to season or episode two. But like even even when I was watching episode two, I was like, they really jumped ahead here, like to to some things I was not ready for. So, listen, 215-592-9494. I was on the plane heading down to Hawaii. Succession was labeled as, hey, this is season one. I was excited to watch it. excited to get back into it, waste some time on a flight. I get really into it. I, I was excited to, to, to finish it out. And I get home, and it turns out it's season three. Should I restart Succession? Or should I stick with it and say, hey, season three was great. Looking forward to season four with my guy Kendall Roy. They they did you dirty, man. That's that's I not agree. cool. It's I'm disappointed in United. I really am. I was looking forward to it. Two one five five nine two nine four nine four. Already to, uh, also talking about the Eagles. Best way to build this team. I'm in the camp of build it right. Use those draft picks, and down the road you can go and get a a, a franchise quarterback. Don't push all your chips in. Rush and say, oh, we got to get this done now because. You know, our window is here. The Eagles' window is not here. Like, Jason Kelsey's old. Lane Johnson is getting older. Uh, like, the, the Fletcher Cox is older. Brandon Graham is older. Like, the, 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 this roster is not some young ascending, ascending team that he can project as being the future of the NFC. Like, they have a lot of work to do. And I'm not letting some faulty playoff run change my thoughts on that. 215 592 94 94. Let's go to Concha Hawken and talk to Damon. What's happening, buddy? Yeah, what's up, Jack? Nothing much, man. How do you feel? Do you wanna you wanna build a team first or go get a quarterback? So listen, this is what I said to Kyle. Like, you can't what are the teams that you're trading all these assets, all these draft picks to trying to do? Or or what do they have? They have the star quarterback, but they're not good teams. That's why all these quarterbacks went out. So what are we gonna do? Give all of our trade assets to them? let them become a good team, and then they're going to go look for their quarterback. Like, they already have the thing that we want, but yet they're not showing up in the playoffs. And, like, let's talk about Seattle. They haven't been in the playoffs. They have Russell Wilson. Uh, Houston, terrible team. I know Deshaun Watson has not played, but their their roster construction, I wouldn't say, is anything special. Well, and the so, last and, and Damon, the last time he played, that team won four games. Yeah, so they're not in any different of a situation than the Eagles are in. The, the formula to win in this league comes down to with whatever draft picks you have, and we're lucky to have a lot of them, you have to draft well and, and develop that talent. And that is the key to it. There's no quick fix. There's no just go get a quarterback. We saw Tom Brady go to the Buccaneers. He went there, and they had a, a, a trim, nice roster, and they went and won a Super Bowl with the greatest quarterback of all time, whatever he scored, like all that different stuff. But there's no team that's going to just trade for a quarterback and all of a sudden elevate them to championship status. Right, and, and, to get back to. and Damon, if that was the case, then those teams that were trading these guys wouldn't be trading these guys. Like They, exactly. would, be, they would be talked about as winning Super Bowls year in, year out. But the fact of the matter is, uh, Rodgers hasn't won since 2011, has like two, three playoff wins, and, and Wilson hasn't won since that defense was stacked. And they're great players. They really are. They would make the Eagles fun, and they would be great. But are you really winning anything? Isn't that all that matters here is actually winning championships? And that's the that's the point I, I, I think you look at it now and understand that 
we will be in the same spot, if not worse, if we trade all these assets because we're in a good. I think we're in a, like a good position. Other than the fact that I still want to see Howie Roseman actually regain my trust of being able to draft well, uh, we're in the position of like we can we can be ready to win in in two years, three years. But if we go draft a quarterback, we're going to be sitting in a worse position with older players that we the young talent that we might have right now, which is weak. We're going to have those guys wanting contracts and then still be in the same spot with, oh, now we're ready to draft our first-round picks again because we just traded them all away. So there is no no quick fix in the NFL. I think a lot of teams want to believe that, and a lot of people want to believe that, and it's frustrating to listen to, but they're just going to be set up for failure if they go and do something like that. I think you got to ride out with with what you have. Hertz is going to be – he's going to do well, and who knows? He could could make it work. But uh, to trade everything away would just be a waste of everyone's time, I think. Yeah, Damon, I, I agree with you, and I appreciate the call. It's just they're not. It's not the time for it. You you know a time, you know when it's time to go in and 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 find the guy and push your trade chips in, and get a difference maker. Let's use the two teams in this town for example. Look at the Phillies. Is this not a similar scenario to Bryce Harper? Bryce Harper is brought in here. He is put up. An MVP season, and they were 500. They had two losing seasons. Or they're one, or they ended up being one game over 500 this year. Who cares? Bryce Harper is a phenomenal player that they said that they thought they were ahead of schedule, gave all this money to, and they can't put a team around him. Baseball is different because drafting, developing, and free agency and all that is different than football. But the, the fact of the matter is the same. You go trade for a Russell Wilson. You trade for Deshaun Watson. You trade for, for Aaron Rodgers. The team's not ready to win. The Eagles have an awesome – the Phillies have an awesome player in Bryce Harper. But they're not ready to win. It sucks for the Eagles. But they're not ready to win. And then you look at the Sixers. They pushed their assets in. Daryl Morey did a great job. They got James Harden. And their championship odds went from 2% pre-trade to 13% post-trade. That is a big jump because they went out, pushed their assets in. Thank God for Daryl Morey. He did not, you know, trade Tyrese Maxey in that deal. He's able to keep him. Him. They pushed assets in, and they got James Harden here. That's a move that's going to put that team over the top and have them in real championship contention, which they weren't before the trade. That's what the Eagles have to do here. 215-592-9494. Speaking of the Sixers, on the other side, We're going to throw them into the mix because I saw something on Thursday night that I hadn't factored in when the Sixers made the trade for James Harden. What was it? I'll tell you that on the other side. Welcome back. Jack Fritz here with you on Sports Radio 94, WYP 215-592-9494 is how you join the show. We'll get back to all of your Eagles calls whether or not you want to build a roster first or, or go get and spend the assets and get a legitimate franchise quarterback in here. But I want to touch on this because, you know, Thursday night was was just a remarkable, remarkable game for the Sixers. I mean, factoring in losing Tuesday to the Celtics by, like, 48, uh, it's, it's right before the All-Star break. There's all the hardened excitement that maybe is distracting. For them to go on the road, to to Milwaukee, take down Giannis, who had a good game himself. I mean, 32 points. 
it, it really shows a lot about Joel Embiid's growth to me. You know, Joel Embiid has taken a massive step forward. He's talked a lot about his son Arthur and how much he just wants to, his son to look up to him. And it seems like he's taking that personally. And even Doc Rivers, like, to me, that showed a, a championship kind of identity being able to go out game for the all-star break on the road in Milwaukee, which is not like the most exciting place in the world. Uh, it showed a lot to me for, for them to win that game, show some, some toughness. You know, there's like five minutes left in the game. Giannis was starting to get going and, and, and bead kind of took over and, and showed why I think he's the MVP of the NBA right now. But the one thing that stuck out, uh, stuck out to me, and it was something that I hadn't considered when the Sixers made the trade for James Harden, was how much James Harden cared about his legacy. And what I mean by that is him coaching up Tyrese Maxey, I found fascinating. Because I had never seen James Harden do that before. But it feels like he is, he is heading into the next stage of his career where he's talking about the next generation. And all great NBA players get there. Jordan did it with Kobe. Kobe did it with seemingly the rest of the league. I mean, all of those guys look up to Kobe. LeBron has always been that kind of guy, but even he has helped mentor young players and then trade him away for Anthony Davis. But um, it was interesting to see him do that with Tyrese Maxey. And Maxey responded, and honestly, for me, the main question when it comes to James Harden here is, do you trust him? Because the last two years, it feels like a lot of people have given up on James Harden, the teammate, the, the guy. A lot of people still believe he's a great player. And I still believe he's a great player. But when you're asking people if you trust him, I think that's a different story. Because he has forced his way out of his last two situations. He's been on three teams in 14 months. He has put on tons of weight and lost it quickly. He has been mopey. You know, his second-to-last game in Brooklyn, I think he scored four points and just looked like he didn't want to be there. And it feels like a lot of people have lost trust in James Harden. But how he acted on Thursday made me trust him more. Because he looks like a guy that is starting to value his legacy in the NBA. James Harden, according to The Athletic, is already the 33rd best player of all time. He's also a title or two away from being in that top 25-ish range in the history of basketball. That is a, a, a vaunted class. And James Harden has that opportunity here. It's really his last shot, and I think he knows that. I think he knows that this is his last shot to prove to the, to the rest of the league that he is a winner, that he is a good teammate, and that he cares about his legacy. Because really, all the excuses are gone now. He has his GM. He has the best big man he's ever played with. You know, they had talent for him out in Houston, but Maury kept adding more ball-dominant guys and hoping, hoping they would fit together. If Chris Paul never tears his, his, his hamstring, maybe that team gets to the finals. But it still felt weird. 
It was like James, uh, Chris Paul needs the ball in his hands. James Harden needs the ball in his hands. And then they traded for Russell Westbrook. The fits never totally made sense. But here, you have Joel Embiid. And yes, Joel Embiid needs the ball in his hands as well. But it's a different style of basketball. It's not, you know, perimeter players trying to make plays. It's, hey, I can dump it off to that guy, and we can kind of go back and forth there and, and, and go from there. Do you trust James Harden? 215-592-9494. The first reason I do is because I saw a guy on Thursday that was invested in the Sixers that looked like he wanted to be here and is a guy that cares about his legacy. Him coaching up Tyrese Maxey to me was fascinating. Am I sure it's going to happen all the time? I'm not. Is this, is this probably the honeymoon phase? It could be. But I also think that James Harden recognizes that this is his last shot. His last shot to prove to the rest of the league that he is the top 25 player of all time. He, he is not this malcontent you know, teammate that forces away the second things go wrong in whatever city he's in. I trust James Harden. The second reason is, is because of Daryl Morey. James Harden seems like a big trust guy. He needs to be in an environment where he trusts those around him. You know what you never heard until Daryl Morey left? Was, wow, James Harden's a bad teammate. Wow, James Harden is, is hurt all the time. Wow, James Harden is mopey. Because he had a situation he believed in. Daryl Morey left, and they left James Harden with, like, DeMarcus Cousins and John Wall. And he's supposed to be happy in that situation. He lost the guy he trusted in Daryl Morey. And then he gets to Brooklyn thinking, hey, I get to team up with my good friend, Kevin Durant from back in the OKC days. And we can go in championships only for him to get there. And Kyrie is a a part-time kind of player. And KD has turned into a bit of a loner. Katie is a, a phenomenal player, but he had an unbelievable situation in the best culture in the NBA in Golden State, and he didn't get along with Steph Curry and Draymond Green. What does that tell you about Kevin Durant? Maybe he's not the, the most cozy guy, and sure, he's a great player, and he's an all-timer, and he's one of the two best players in the NBA, but that doesn't make him a guy you want to hang around with all the time. So James Harden lost interest. He didn't trust those guys. Two straight situations, no trust. And what you're seeing and what I have seen so far is he's in a situation with people he trusts. 215-592-9494. Do you trust James Harden? I do. I think the Maury connection is real. And I think he cares about his legacy. And the one thing that is, that is sort of bothering me with the, with the James Harden thing and something that I, you know, I think is going to be remedied here is the whole little hamstring, little injuries that have creeped up in the last little bit. Like James Harden was the third most durable player in basketball, played the third most games from 2012 to 2019. I'm not worried about the injuries. I'm not worried that he's going to have a nagging hamstring problem. Because for a long time, in situations he believed in, he was one of the most durable players in the sport. And if you look at the Sixers and how they are constructed, 
They are a slow it down. You know, you don't have to shoulder the whole load on offense. You can just kind of play your game. We don't need to speed it up because Embiid is the same kind of thing. I think this is going to work great. I am not worried about James Harden. I trust James Harden, and I don't think he's going to force his way out here, out of here the second the going gets tough. Daryl Morey is here, and he's matured to a level where he's thinking about his legacy. We had never seen James Harden ever interact with a young teammate like we had seen with him and Tyrese Maxey. It's going to be a beautiful partnership here, and I can't wait for the first game. It's going to be a lot of fun. 215-592-9494. Do you trust James Harden? It seems like that's the big, you know, kind of sticking point with people for not being fully in on the Sixers trading form. It's like, oh, well, he's going to force his way out just like he did in Brooklyn. I don't think that's the case. I trust James Harden. I think he's going to be a great teammate here, a good fit for the Sixers, and you just hope that they can get the job done because Joel Embiid getting a championship here, it, it would be the greatest party ever. 215-592-9494. Back to the phones. Let's talk to Peter in media. What's happening, buddy? Hey, what's happening there, Jack? Always good to talk with you. You too, Pete. What and, do you got for me? Well, very quickly on the Harden thing, I also wanted to talk Eagles. Uh, Harden, I'll trust until I don't. You know, I think to your point, I think you're exactly correct. And he seems pretty sensitive to his surroundings and his teammates. And if he feel, once he feels there's no chance, I think he turns it off. Trust factor you mentioned. I think he's coming in here realizing, to your point, not only his legacy, but even the years that he's going to be remaining in the NBA still, this is his best chance to do something different, which is win a championship. Yeah. I mean, he, he, I, he'll he never find a situation as good as he has right now. He right. has the GM, he has the MVP big man, and he has a coach that, yeah, if you listen to the first press conference, seems very impressed with. Now, for the Eagles' point, I'm going to give you a, a quarterback that I want him – I want the Eagles to bring him in. And at worst – let him compete for the, the one or two spot because he would be no worse than number three versus uh, uh, the two that got hurts. And, uh, who, and, just, uh, who, who is it? Jameis Winston. 5,000-yard oh, season, first-round first pedigree, athletic big. He's got much more upside than either, either guy they got now. And he, you wouldn't have to give up the three picks to get him. Yeah, Peter, the thing with Jameis is that, and I appreciate the call, you can you can throw all the 5,000-yard seasons you, you won at me. Uh, he also had 30 interceptions. like, And he was playing decent before he got hurt last year, but he wasn't very mobile before the ACL. I don't know how he's going to look post-ACL. And he has just never uh, you know, struck me as a guy that I can realistically win a championship with. I think he's a high upside backup at this point in his career. Uh, and I just, <laughs> frankly, would have no interest in the Eagles. I guess if you're looking for a cheap stopgap, if you move Hurts in the draft and whatnot, but at that point, just just give it to Gardner. You in on Jameis yet or what, Kyle? No, nah, I mean, talk about a wild ride. Jameis Winston is, like you said, 30 touchdowns, 30 interceptions kind of guy, which if you're an outsider, you're watching objectively, it could be pretty entertaining to watch, but not if he's on your team. And I would contend that if Sean Payton and the Saints coaching staff couldn't get the best out of Jameis Winston, uh, the Nick Sirianni and these young guys uh, would not, not be able to do that. You're not buying into uh, to, to Nick Sirianni being able to develop quarterbacks. Well, so. I just I just don't necessarily label him as a QB guru. Just yes. Yet. 
Yes, I would say so, given that they had to change the entire offense seven weeks into the season after they had a whole entire offseason to try to get Jalen Hurts to that point, uh, and they could not do that. 215-592-90 for 94. We'll get back into your calls on the Eagles and Sixers next. What do you want to do with the Eagles? Do you Are you with me? Uh, I, I'm in the camp of slow build this. Let's build it the right way. And even if that means passing on the chance to trade for a, a Russell Wilson, uh, Deshaun Watson, Aaron Rodgers, I don't care about that stuff because I don't think that actually leads to real winning. I look at the teams that have actually won Super Bowls and even made the playoffs and made deep runs in the playoffs. They all had the same thing in common. They had a great roster and got the quarterback. The Bengals got a special quarterback, but even in that, they went out and invested a lot of money in the rest of that team and got them to a level which I'm not sure they'll ever really be able to get back to. 215-592-9494. Also on the Sixers and James Harden. We're all excited. We're all fired up for his first game as a, as a Sixer, and we're having dreams of a finals run. But do you trust James Harden? I do trust James Harden. I think we're going to see the best version of him here. Are you worried about him? I am not. We'll get to all your calls on that coming up next. Welcome back. Jack Fritz here with you on Sports Radio 94 WIP 215-592-9494 is how you join the show. One of those returns that Battle put in that's actually good. That's a that's a good radio return. The other ones he has put in, very shaky. What, but, what do you think are your least favorite? Uh, the, the tool one. Whatever. There's a there's one oh, that's, yeah. that's tool that's just like comes out way too hot. You know what? I, there's one that bothered me to no end and it was uh i forget i think maybe the band was fun mm. but it's like it literally just starts like boom boom boom, boom oh boom, no boom, yeah boom, that's boom, brutal boom, i mean that was that's that, an old one that though. was ridiculous yeah that's an old one of the new batch little too much hard rock more of that personally 215-592-9494 there's something that's happening in the nfl uh that i find interesting and it kind of adds to my point of not going all in for a quarterback this year. I'll get to that in a couple minutes. But first, I want to talk to Mike in Northeast Philly. What's happening, Mike? Hey, what's going on, Jack? Nothing much. How are you? How do you feel about this uh, this quarterback thing? Honestly, um, if you can go get a franchise quarterback, you go get a franchise quarterback. It's the most important position in football. You have three first-round picks this year. You have all your rest of your draft picks this year. You give up two first, a first next year, and a second this year. You can get damn near any quarterback you want. Right, but then what happens? What rest. happens after that? You still got the rest of your assets this year. You still have a first, a second, a third, a fourth. If you trust Howie so much to build through the draft, that's how you do it. So when? So leave. when? You when are we realistically going to win if you trade for one of those guys? Probably two years. So you want me to believe that they're going to trade for a 33-year-old Russell Wilson, and within two years they're going to be ready to compete for a Super Bowl with depleted assets and not as much cap space? Um, absolutely. Why? Because all you need all you need to do is get into the dance. No, you don't. No, there. you don't. That's not true. You need to have a. That's not true. No, you need to have a great roster before you can realistically do anything. And and like the Eagles got into the dance this year, and they got blown out by an actually good team. But look who their quarterback was. Yeah, and Tom Brady. They, the only reason 
the Eagles didn't win or won more than four games is that back half of the schedule. Right. Because the roster is not. It was poor. It was poor. They beat up on really bad teams. What about the Bucks? I mean, they, they they had a. Do you agree they had a loaded team, and then Tom Brady put them oh, put them over the top? So then, who absolutely. who are our Devin Whites? Who are our Vita Vays? Like, who are our foundational pieces that can put us over the top when you trade for a Russell Wilson? Now, like I told your producer, I said, you get the quarterback. You can you need to still add pieces. They're not right there, right? But the quarterback puts you. Let's say out of ten steps, it puts you six steps forward. Yeah, I mean, listen, it takes a lot of risk out of it. I mean, do I fully trust Howard to get the right quarterback? No, going to get in one of those guys, it would take a lot of risk out of it. And Mike, I do appreciate the call. I just think that when you when you see how the league is trending, and you just look at look at the data, it's not really arguable. Look at the champions. Look at the teams that are in it. Look at look at even divisional like. You have a roster, and then you get the quarterback. There's no precedent for trading for a quarterback, and all of a sudden you're, you're right into it, and he's lifting up a bad roster. Again, the guys that we're talking about, the Russell Wilsons, the Aaron Rodgers, Deshaun Watson, they are great players, but they haven't won anything. And I'm in the business here of wanting to win. I don't, I don't care about going and getting this elite quarterback with this whole idea of, He's going he's gonna to be a franchise changer here because I don't think the team is ready. 215-592-9494. So I talked about this before talking to Mike, and I think the league, like this whole idea of you draft a quarterback and they're your guy for the next decade, I think that time is over. I think you're going to start seeing more and more star quarterbacks asking out and moving around. Look at what's happening with Kyler Murray. Like, Kyler Murray hasn't even been paid yet. He's 24 years old. And he seems like it's trending towards asking out. I mean, uh, 10 years ago, that is that is insane thinking because teams wouldn't move on from guys. But it seems like more and more, you're, you're, I mean, Brady left <laughs> – the greatest dynasty of all time. He left a great structure in Bill Belichick because he wanted a, wanted a fresh start and get to a better situation for him. Like, I'm, I'm seeing star quarterbacks asking out pretty much every year now. Now, I know Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers did not get traded last year. Deshaun Watson, same thing, did not get traded last year. But just the fact that they're on the verge of wanting out. For me, this isn't the last chance the Eagles will have to cash in assets and go get a, a difference-making franchise-caliber franchise caliber quarterback. This isn't the last time for me because it seems like the league is trending towards more and more these kind of quarterbacks are asking out. And if I'm the Eagles, I'm seeing that trend, and I'm saying, cool, we're not ready to really win a Super Bowl yet anyway. Let's build this thing first and then go take a big swing at a quarterback. I just don't think this roster is realistically ready to compete just yet. I know they made the playoffs, and I I know that they won nine games after winning four. But do you believe the Eagles are a good team, or do you think they're a team that were propped up by having the worst crop of quarterbacks I've ever seen them play against? Because that's where I'm at. I'm not letting this 
playoff run fool me into thinking, okay, this team's ready to really take the next step forward. Because I don't think that. I don't think they're ready to take the next step forward. I think we could see a similar year to last year, if not a, a bit of a step back. Because they played that bad of competition. 215-592-9494. Which camp are you in? Do you want to build a roster? Or are you in like, like Mike in Northeast Philly saying, hey, go get the quarterback and then figure out the roster later? I look at the data. I look at who wins. And I say, build this roster first, then get the quarterback. Chuck in Worcester. What's happening, buddy? Jackie, good to talk to you. Good to talk to you as well. How do you feel about James Harden? <laughs> Let me tell you something. I just listened to you. And I told Kyle Quinn the same thing. That was excellent. Thorough, uh, thought-provoking. It was an excellent job. I, I want to tell you something. I'm not about well, how did, well, real quick, Chuck, how did Kyle respond to that? Did he say good joke or was he like in agreement? Kyle's one of your biggest fans. <laughs> Yeah, sure. And let me tell you something. Uh, you know, I don't know why you two guys aren't given more of the limelight. You got Binger there who needs a partner today. I don't know why one of you two guys weren't selected to be up there with him. Oh, come on, Tom Kelly did a great job. Uh, that, I didn't say he did. I said you two guys are – I think you're great. Oh, I appreciate that, Chuck. So listen, Thank I, you. I'm a total to my opinion – you guys, I think, would have done a great job with uh, Ray Dinger, just my opinion. So, look, if I offended you, I'm sorry. Oh, no, it's it's, it's all good. I'm just saying I think Tom did a great job. Well, I... you're, listen, but you asked me. I'm the guy I talking know. right now. I you know. It's, it's your time. It's your time. All right. Well, look, you keep up the good work. Thank you. How do you feel about Harden? No? Okay. <laughs> listen, I love Chuck in, in Worcester. He's very, very passionate about, about what we do here. And I think I think Ray and Tom did a great job this morning. I think Chuck just forgot that he called in with an actual sports point. I was trying to get to that. <laughs> I was trying to get to that, but I appreciate the kind words about about the show. And listen, it's it's a it's it's a process when it comes to to radio. It takes it takes a little bit. You got to trust the process. Listen, me and Kyle are just grinding our way through this whole thing called life. Two one five five nine two ninety four ninety four. Let's go to Maple Shade and talk to Joe. What's happening, pal? Good. How are you? How you feel about this whole quarterback thing? Do you want to build a roster or go get the quarterback? Well, I, I'm an old brat. I uh, you're from the army, and I believe in you got to have horses in front of you in order to uh, get the quarterback. Uh, and if you don't have them, then you don't have anything. It's all both sides of the line, and uh, build up a little defense. That will help. I think we have a comparative young receiver, Snat, that uh, I think it hurts. Joe, I tried. I tried to hang in there. Um, it sounds like he was in a wind tunnel. I think it is a windy day out there. Um, Joe called from Chicago. I mean, sheesh! That was that was like that was like he was in the middle of the eye of the storm. That was wild. Oh, that's, that was a windy call. Now I think, I think he was starting to make the case that he he believes in hurts and and he likes you know he, he wants another piece um, besides Devontae Smith. And my whole thing on that is you can believe in, in Jalen Hurts as much as you want, but I think we all know that his arm is just not strong enough or accurate enough 
to realistically be at the top of the NFC. And the thing that stinks for Jalen is that if he comes back next year and he's the starter and he goes through the year, he's going to be up for a contract. And I don't know about you. He's he's going to be asking for $35 million plus at, at a minimum, especially if they make the playoffs again. And I can't commit that that level of money to 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 Jalen Hurts, especially because I don't think he's ever going to be even as good as Dak Prescott. And Dak Prescott just got a massive extension from the Cowboys. And I just when I look at the 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 real difference making quarterbacks around the league, they're not having to change their entire offense to start running the ball seven weeks in the season because he's not good enough at throwing it. Like I'm seeing an evolution at the quarterback position that you know, we haven't seen yet. I mean, you're seeing Patrick Mahomes, you're seeing Josh Allen, you're, you're, you're seeing Justin Herbert. I mean, Trey Lance, maybe, but you're seeing these kind of guys who are big, strong, physical, with huge arms that, that, guy, that, that teams are taking chances on to mold rather than, hey, we can win with this guy. The, the, the high upside swings are, are there from these teams. And for me, Hurts just is not that. Like, this whole idea that he can get so much better and he can he can do all of this stuff, I don't buy. Like, I don't buy that Jalen Hurts can get that much better. Can he get better with getting the ball out of his hands a little bit faster? Sure. But is he ever going to have the real ability to push the ball down the field aggressively? Is he going to have the ability... To, to throw across his body if he sees a guy wide open, or is he going to have to stop, fully catch his, his, himself, step and throw, and make that throw? Is he ever going to be accurate enough? I don't think so. So I want to bring him back. I want to build a roster. But it's not with the idea that Jalen Hurts is the long-term answer here. It's with the idea of, hey, I want to find my guy in the draft. Or, like I brought up a little bit ago, star quarterbacks are asking out seemingly every year. So why am I rushing to trade away the most assets I've had in a draft, the most cap space I've had since 2016? Why am I rushing to to trade away that stuff and build up my cap versus for, for, for a team that's not ready to go in yet? I don't understand that logic. I think it is flawed logic to sit there and say, no, go trade those assets and get a quarterback in here. Why? Why would I do that? Because it's not what actually wins. Great rosters win Super Bowls, not great quarterbacks. If that was the case, Aaron Rodgers would have more than one Super Bowl and Jimmy Garoppolo wouldn't have more playoff wins than him. Like Nick Foles had more playoff wins in one year that Aaron Rodgers has had since 2015. Like, it, great rosters matter more than great quarterbacks. I have no interest in the Eagles going out and trading for one of these top-flight quarterbacks. 215-592-9494. Let's go to Colin, calling from somewhere. Colin, what's up, pal? Hey, what's up? Nothing much. How do you feel about this? You want to build a roster or go get the quarterback? I want to fill the roster. I want to give Hertz a year. I want to give him a. I want to give him a real number one to go along. Like give him, get him Metcalf. 
get him, uh, you know, somebody other than Devonta Encoder to throw to and take Rager off the field. He's literally the Ben Simmons of our football team, not from an attitude standpoint, but he's a non-factor that defenses don't have to pay attention to. It, it is driving me nuts. These people are like, oh, let's go get this guy. Who are they going to throw to? They're yeah, throw I mean, to it's – Blanketed a- Devonta, blanketed Gooder. Yeah, I mean, listen, it's a fair point. And, and if I'm the Eagles, if I can't get Devontae Adams in free agency, I mean, Mike Williams is out there. Like, there's guys to be had. But also, I, I'd be very curious, Colin, in, in using one of those draft picks and potentially trading for a Calvin Ridley, one of those kind of guys, and getting a real proven guy in here rather than trying to, to draft a receiver. Oh, I agree 100%. We need some experience. We need we need a receiver who's been in the league for a few years who can help these young receivers. I think Quez Watkins, go look at his numbers, 70% completion rate, one drop attributed to him last year. I mean, you bring in a veteran, that's going to help that crew get that much better. But they've got to, you know, I feel bad for Rager. He didn't, he didn't deserve to get picked in the first round, and it's not his fault he did. And he needs to go somewhere else and get a fresh start. Yeah, Colin, I'm with you on on Rager. You know, I was a (laughs) – probably shouldn't admit this. I was a big Rager guy before the draft. I I remember I've called Justin Jefferson the Bayou Jordan Matthews. Turns out that take didn't age well. Um, But actually, I don't think that that Justin Jefferson would be as good here as he was in Minnesota. Like, some of his numbers are brought up because Kirk Cousins can throw the ball. Um, and I don't think that magically he would be putting up 1,400-yard seasons here. Um, and, yes, I liked Rager. I thought he was more explosive than he wa- ended up being because he is, like, the opposite of explosive. But it was so it was so annoying listening to Nick Sirianni at his end-of-season press conference or whatever it was maybe a month ago talking about, oh, Quez is, is going to be our number two. Like, you can't be serious as an NFL team heading into a season with Quez Watkins being your number two. I like Quez Watkins. I think he's a a good number three. But you want to talk about not helping a young quarterback develop, head into another season with Quez Watkins as your number two receiver. It it would just be a massive, massive failure. And the Eagles do need to, even if they do trade for one of these quarterbacks, and I don't think they should. I think it's foolish and frankly dumb on their part if they go and trade for a Russell Wilson or or Rodgers Watson, those kind of guys. You still need help around them. Like you still need uh, Devontae, I think, would benefit greatly from having a quarterback that can that can throw the ball accurately and on time and, and all of that stuff. You know, it's funny. Devontae never seemed that enthralled with having Jalen as his quarterback, and it made me think, ah, he might want a guy in here that he trusts can get him the ball more often. Um, but even if you go and trade for one of those guys, they do need help on the outside. They need a legit number two in here. Um, I would love for them to pay big money to go get a Devontae Adams, but I don't really see that being a realistic option. But there are guys out there. I mean, I don't know how great Allen Robinson still is, but he's out there. Mike Williams is out there. And then Calvin Ridley in a trade, who I think is a really good receiver that you would have to do some background on to, to make sure he's all good to go. Um, or maybe he just wanted out of Atlanta. But they need help opposite of Devontae. That is, that, is, that is imperative. And even if you're in the camp with me of saying, hey, let's build the roster, you can still build a roster with getting some good players in here. That doesn't mean you have to trade all your assets for a potential of getting a franchise quarterback. 215-592-9494. We'll get to your calls. We'll continue uh, with the Eagles. Do you... 
buy into this notion? Are you in the camp of, hey, let's go trade assets for a franchise quarterback? I think I saw one of the Seattle beat writers say, hey, Russell Wilson, starting asking price would be all three first-round picks. Is that something you're interested in, or are you with me? Like, this whole franchise quarterback thing is overblown. It's not a time yet. You got to build the roster first and then get the guy. Look at the data. Look what wins. That's where I'm at. 215-592-9490. Get your calls on that. But also, one of the biggest NFL reporters has a prediction on what Tom Brady is going to do this offseason and what team he believes he'll be suiting up for in week one. I'll tell you who the team is and what it could mean for the Eagles coming up next. Welcome back. Jack Fritz here with you on Sports Radio 94, WYP. 215-592-9494. Coming up at 5 o'clock. Yes, I am here, which means we have to do a top 5 at 5, but this time with Kyle Quinn. I will, I will not be doing the top 5 at 5 for myself, but I'm excited to see what Kyle Quinn has in store for us today. I'll get back to your calls in one second, but I found this interesting. Mike Florio of Pro Football Talk said this week that he believes that Tom Brady will be starting for the 49ers in week one. He said, I'm telling you, it's unavoidable. He's going to work it all out behind the scenes. I just think he's going to be the 49ers quarterback in week one, and he's rooting for that so badly. So is this going to be Tom Brady's new thing? You know, just every year jumping around saying, hey, I'll go put your team over the top, or I'll go put your team over the top. Now, it's probably a little different because you'd be doing it in San Francisco, which is the team he always wanted to play for, grew up rooting for, um, and would get them probably back to the promised land. I mean, the Niners are one of the best franchises in football, haven't won a Super Bowl since the 90s, uh, and I think Brady would maybe feel like, hey, I can go put that team back over the top. He sees what Jimmy G could be also. I get to clean up Jimmy G and and finally put a a squash to that uh, for what Belichick did to him up in New England. But I just think it's fascinating. And honestly, when when Brady retired, I never totally bought it. it. It felt like a weird retirement. It felt almost forced in a way because I had never seen him like. I was surprised he didn't announce it before the year and that we can properly celebrate the career of Tom Brady. You know, these kind of things happen all the time. I mean, Kobe got a retirement tour. Jeter got a retirement tour. All-time greats get retirement tours. And the fact that it was just like, oh, Brady's gone now, it always felt a little bit off. So the Niners thing is just is really interesting. And for me... You know, you ask, why would he leave Tampa? He had a weird situation down there in Tampa. Like, they acted like all year. It felt like they could never get the same edge that they had pre-Super Bowl out of the way. Like, they were, they won the Super Bowl, they partied hard, and they could never kind of get the intensity back. And Brady all year was kind of saying, like, yeah, we got to lock in. Yeah, we got to lock in, trying to send the message to his rest of his team that we got to kind of figure it out here. And they never did. You know, they were all banged up all season long. I don't think Bruce Arians is a guy that, you know, can win multiple championships. I think he's like a – I think he got his one Super Bowl at the age of like 69 and said, 
I've made it. Uh, and I don't think the same intensity was back. So I don't know if the structure was in place for Brady to want to continue being there. And I think he kind of saw the writing of the wall. Like I came into a organization that had been bad for a while and turned them into a, a better team uh, and ultimately won a Super Bowl. But I think he's a guy who up in New England, he had Bill Belichick, who was the leader of the team. That was no nonsense. There was a good structure there. Robert Kraft, like it was, it was all in place. And Brady had to kind of go to Tampa and fix everything down there and get them to figure out how to win. If he sees San Francisco, Kyle Shanahan's the same kind of thing. Uh, he also might be trending towards being this generation's Andy Reid, where he just blows big leads in playoff games and can never quite get over the hump. I mean, it is hilarious. 2016 Super Bowl blows 28-3, has a 10-point lead against the Chiefs in their Super Bowl, blows that. And then uh, this year, again, another another blown game, another lead in the fourth quarter that Kyle Shanahan has blown, but he's still a, a great offensive mind. If I'm Brady, I get a chance to go to San Francisco and put a team with Debo Samuel and a loaded defense over the top. I mean, it seems like a it seems like a no brainer. If I'm Brady, I have the best left tackle in football. You know, he has a line already in place. Like that that line last year in Tampa sort of fell apart in the playoffs, and he was starting to get hit a little bit. We all saw Tom Brady bleed. I didn't know that was possible. He didn't know the human side, so. I thought that was really, really, really fascinating from from Florio, and it kind of seems like that's the word around the league that hey, look out for Brady with the Niners, and because again, his retirement felt so weird. It was like why why are you retiring again? He was always a guy that was saying I'll play till I'm not the same level of player as I was, and I can't keep that physical, you know, demand up that it takes to be a quarterback in the NFL. He was damn near the MVP of the league, so. It felt weird to me. Kyle, are you buying uh, Brady on the Niners? Of course I'm buying it. I mean, does this not annoy you, though? Like, it, he's basically doing what LeBron's been doing in the NBA, and it's one of the reasons that, you know, it, a lot of times I, I can't stand the NBA. And now he, it seems like he's, like like you said, that retirement was never believable. It always seemed phony. It seems like he's almost using it as, like, a loophole for him to weasel his way out of Tampa, Mm -hmm. which is becoming a not enviable situation. They're about to lose a lot of offensive weapons, Gronk, Godwin, uh, stuff like that. So it it just seems like an easy and cheap way out. And for a guy like Tom Brady, who's supposed to be an all-time great, it's it. I'm just so sick of handing him these golden situations on a silver platter and just being like, okay, let's go let Tom Brady win another Super Bowl again. It's just so annoying. Well, listen, you can complain all you want until – Two years from now, the Eagles are in this position. Hey, yeah, we're the team. And then and, I'm all in. And here comes Brady. Brady and LeBron, same year, when 40-year-old LeBron, who said yesterday he wants he yeah, will be go, with Bronny. He will, he will <laughs> go to play with wherever his son uh, gets drafted. Well, someone's going to take him in the second. Like LeBron, LeBron James Jr., Bronny, is like 52nd in his class right now. So you know a team's just going to. Just gonna draft him, saying, "Hey, we'll take LeBron for a year." Yeah, whatever team LeBron tells him to. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, Bronny Junior is one hundred percent getting drafted, and and in two years from now, book it four forty eight on a, on Sunday. Uh, what is it? February nineteenth. What is today? Do you know what today's, today's date the twentieth? Yeah. The twentieth, February twentieth. Two years from now, Tom Brady, Eagles quarterback, LeBron James here to play with James Harden and and Joel Embiid. Two one five. <laughs> and Bronny, yes, he's going to be a dynamic player. 215-592-9494. But I bring, I bring up the Brady thing um, as well because a couple weeks ago, like I was championing uh, the idea of the Niners making the Super Bowl. 
so that they would trade Trey Lance and they would keep Jimmy Garoppolo. Hey, if Brady goes there and it's another year where Trey Lance is just sitting, I know that that Rodgers had to wait three years for Brett Favre to leave before he took over them, so they could they could definitely be realistic and wait. But I just uh, I wonder if we could maybe pry Trey Lance away from the Niners. Trey Lance would be the number one overall pick in this year's draft, but also um, if he was really wowing them in camp, uh, you wouldn't be hearing Joe Montana and Steve Young going on Radio Row saying, I don't think Trey Lance is ready. So not great from that standpoint, but I I said it then and I'll say it again. I would trade two first for Trey Lance because I think he has a shot to be in the Josh Allen category, a shot to be in the Mahomes category. Do I think he's going to be that ultimately? Probably not. But when I'm looking for quarterbacks with high upside, quarterbacks that have the mobility, the strong arm, all of that stuff to play in today's league, that's what I feel like Trey Lance is. So I do wonder if maybe Brady goes there if Trey Lance becomes available and the the Niners would have a chance to kind of recoup some of the trade assets they had to give up to go get Trey Lance last year. Just something to think about. 215-592-9494. Let's go to Dallas and talk to Scooter. What's happening, Scooter? What's up, Jack? Nothing much, man. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm totally with you. I This is how we specialty is making trades. So, so you don't overpay for anybody. I, I, if I'm Howie, I'm going into something, I'm for sure at least making two of my first-round picks. If the right deal comes up, whether it's for a receiver, trade back into next year, or a quarterback who's desperate to get out and the team get desperate, then I'm willing to trade. But I'm building the team first because, like you said, it seems like this is going to be a constant occurrence. I mean, next year, Russell could start throwing a fit. Seattle's in a bad cap situation and doesn't have assets, and then they have to trade him on the cheap. Yeah, and, and and for me, Scott, it's just not the time. Like, it, if they, if I believe that this team was a quarterback away from from winning the Super Bowl, I'm all in. But I'm not letting last year last year's kind of fugazi playoff run make me believe that this team is closer than they are because I see the talent, I see the roster, I see these guys' ages, and I'm I'm not buying it, Scott. Well, especially, too, on the defensive side. I, I felt like you're watching a lot of our previously premier players like Fletcher Cox kind of start falling off in the cloud. And, and they're saying this is a good defensive draft. You really need to try to land a few guys in there and build this up. Yeah, Scott, I, I'm in total agreement. I, You know, I love Brandon Graham, and I, I hope he comes back and is the same caliber of player. But if you're asking me to believe that a 33-year-old is going to recover from a torn Achilles and be the same player he was before, that seems like a big ask. Now, BG is a relentless worker, and I trust he's going to put everything into to getting back and trying to be the same guy he was. But just you know, using our what we've seen in the the history of the sport, it's just hard to to project him being the same caliber of player. Fletcher Cox, I mean, we we all know it. I mean, took a ma- massive step back last year. He took a massive step back. So, you, who is the young? blue chip player on defense. I think Milton Williams is a nice player. I think Josh Sweat is a good rotational defensive end. He had a good year last year, seven and a half sacks. Javon Hargrave is a pro bowler, but I'm not sure he played the last like eight weeks of the season. Uh, Linebacking, I mean, I think TJ Edwards is a good, nice little player, but he was an undrafted free agent out of Wisconsin. Like, can we get a real playmaker there? Davion Taylor, I I thought, showed some flashes last year but again same kind of thing where it's like he's a third round project i can't really project that going forward 
safeties. You need two new ones. I don't think Anthony Harris comes back. And um, McLeod, you know, I could see them just bringing him back on a one-year deal. But either way, that's not like a strong safety room. Slay is a little bit older. You have no one opposite of him right now unless you're going to bring back Steven Nelson. Like, for as important as offense is, you do have to stop opposing offenses at some point, which is uh, this team struggled to do at points last year. I don't care that their their total points or whatever had them in the top 10 heading into the last week of the season because I know the, the caliber of quarterbacks that they played, and I don't feel great about this defense going forward. So when I'm talking about building up the team instead of going and trading assets for a Russell Wilson or guys like that, like you got to factor in the whole football team. How are they building a defense ready to win if you go get Russell Wilson? And Russell Wilson struggled to to put up any kind of playoff success after the Legion of, of, of Boom left. Russell Wilson's only playoff win since 2015 is over Josh McCown, who played here on a torn hamstring. That's it. That's his big win. 215-592-9494. Let's do it. Herb. How's your Sunday doing, pal? Hey, what's happening, Herbie? It is general today on the on six ten. Yeah, six ten WIP. I am in the general seat today. You're exactly right, Herb. Yeah. What do you? How's so, how's your weekend going, pal? What do you got for me today? Well, last night about one a.m. I get on my ship and I was talking with Ricky Ricardo. And what'd you say to Ricky? You guys have a good conversation. I'm going to give you a scenario about the minor league stuff, okay? That's going on. Okay, second round, second round pick, number 57. I am now picking the pitcher, Jack Fritz, from Bloomsburg. That is a great idea. I'm sure the fan base would be thrilled. Second round pick money. That's right. You get two point. Your slot money is two point nine million, almost three million dollars. Sounds good to me. I'm sending you to a ball to start out. You got you got four years to make the crack. By 26, you're 22 years old. By the time you're 26, I need you on a big league roster. If you're not on ready for the big league, then one of two things. We're gonna we're gonna put you up to be traded to another team. Oh, you're trading me? Listen for cash consideration. Sure would or, go well. Okay, similar to the um, you know that 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 pick five, you know, like they did with Victorino. Okay. Ah, uh, the rule five. Me, me and you, we're gonna sit down. Okay, right. me and you are gonna sit down and talk about this whole thing. Okay. And okay. then we're going to put it down in paper, and then we're going to go up to New York and present this to the owner. Yes. I mean, I told Ricky, and he agrees with me in a lot of the stuff. Yeah, it's hard not to, Herb. You have ball players that are 16, 17 years old. You have ones that are 18 that are some are from Dominican, some are USA, like this kid Abel. Yes. Now, Abel got a lot of money he was a number one pick and you got a few other ones that are number one picks down there the issue is we need in the major league they got to change things okay they get 
drastically because of what's been going on in the last so many years with the COVID and everything else. They, 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 they don't want to pay no more, these owners. And there, there's issues. There's yeah, issues. Herb, listen, man. I, I, I'm I not going to let John and Ike tell me that. Yeah. yeah. It really is a foolproof plan. Draft me in the second round. Give me two and a half million. And again, he was, he was acting like I'm 22, and if I'm up, not up by 26, then I get traded. Just like to point out, already past those ages, so we can't go back in time. But for, for John and Ike to tell me that, that Herb doesn't know ball, that guy knows that guy knows baseball. I don't care what anyone says. Okay. <laughs> 215. 592-9490. Hope you all enjoyed that. <laughs> we'll get to all your calls on the other side, but also it's 5 o'clock. I'm here. You know what that means. It's time for a top five at five. We'll get to that with Kyle Quinn coming up next. Well, maybe they play here. I hope they play here. I don't know if it's going to be anytime soon, but actually in one hour, I do have some information from what I'm hearing on when we might get some major league baseball again. I'll give you to that. I'll give you that in one hour from now. Two Inside mo- sourcing? Yeah, we've got a little sort Jackie Sources over here. Jackie Sources on the mic. 215-592-9494 is how you join the show. Talking a lot of Eagles. You know, it's it's the most important position in sports. It's the quarterback. We're doing a thing here at the station called 94 pick 94 WIP picks the QB. And if I was doing that, I'm sitting tight and I am bringing Jalen Hurts back, even though I don't think he is the long-term answer at quarterback. I'm bringing him back and I'm continuing to build this team first. I look at how all the teams that win are built and it's very similar. It's, it's trying to build a great roster rather than pushing your chips in and going to get a quarterback. Yes, I know Matthew Stafford. Yes, I know Tom Brady. But you know what happened first is those teams were already set. Those teams were already built, and they got the quarterback to put them over the top. It was not vice versa. Also, James Harden, big, exciting Sixers trade. Uh, I'll never forget where I was for it. It was 8 a.m. in Hawaii, and uh, I was just getting uh, out of bed because we were there. I was helping babysit my three- and one-year-old nieces. And we were all sharing the same room. So, of course, they were up at like 6 in the morning. Um, so it wasn't the most relaxing vacation, but it was still a great time. And fun. I was coming off a nice 24-hour stomach bug. So I was I was sick, and I used the James Harden trade to make it all better. So we'll get your calls on that. Uh, I trust James Harden. It seems like that's the biggest question when it comes to, 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 to people's tempered excitement for James Harden. Everyone's excited he's here, but it seems like a lot of people don't trust him. I do. Do you? 215-592-9494. We'll get back to your calls on all of that. But first, it's 5 o'clock, which means it's time for a top five at five. Each the five. Number five. five. At five. Five. With Nice. That's good work. (laughs) We're beeping out the name. Yeah. Just a tad profane there. Yeah. Well, it's better than what Dan Wilson did, which was put his own name in it. Which is a, a very, very bold move. That was bold. By Mr. Wilson. Yeah, it was. Uh, Kyle, 
What do you have for us today? Well, uh, Jack, you, you consider yourself a, a bit of a takesman. Mm -hmm. would, would that be correct? I love takes. You've uh, you put a few strong opinions, strong takes out there during your time at the station. And one thing I noticed about you is uh, you like to kind of get under people's skin a little bit with some of those takes, Jack. So I'm going to take a page out of your book and try and get under your skin a little bit today. Awesome. These are the top five takes that annoy Jack the most. <laughs> yes. All right. So, uh. Number five, we'll start here because uh, the Super Bowl was just a few weeks ago, and I know everyone uh, everyone was tickled by a certain commercial that uh, we saw during the Super Bowl. It was mm -hmm. the uh, the Sopranos commercial, and uh, just the first thing that I noticed when watching that was, oh my God, that theme song is horrendous. So I will say to you, Jack, the Sopranos theme, sh theme song is one of the worst theme songs I've ever heard, and the show itself is even worse. Wow, what a scorcher from Kyle Quinn. I don't know how you possibly don't like like the Sopranos theme song. It, it takes you back to a moment in time. You know exactly where you were. You get, you, you're sitting there and you're getting fired up to to watch Sopranos. I think it's a great theme. Now, on the show itself, I'm still only on season four, so I'm not like fully done. But okay. the first four seasons were phenomenal. I've heard the last like three aren't great. Um, but I, that's going to make other people more mad than it's going to make me mad. Okay. okay. But I, the, the theme song is fantastic. That's the, a terrible The thing. theme song gets me fired up to go to bed. Do you like Succession's theme song more or Sopranos? The, uh, the Succession theme song is a lot better to yeah. me. It's a great the theme song. The Sopranos, I, so I got through maybe like halfway through the first season. and well, I what, just Well, what's your favorite show? It seems like you don't like any of these great shows. Oh, I love Game of Thrones, Breaking Bad. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I like the, the heavy hitters. It was Sopranos, was, it, it came off as too soapy for me. And I have to say, the mom in that show might be the most annoying character in the history of television. Uh, no. Well, she is. I, I hated her as well. She is not as annoying as um, as Walter White's wife. Uh, uh, no, I, I think Walter White's wife was, I mean, she's there because she kind of has to be the moral compass, I guess, where Tony Soprano's mom is just flat out annoying. And usually I would give the credit to the actor that portrays them in that annoying of a way. Yeah. But it just turns me off of the show. To the point where I just, I mean, I simply can't watch it. Good. I love uh, it. All right, what's number four? All right, number four, Jack. Nicky Foles, he's a better quarterback than you give him credit for, mm -hmm. man. No, he is not. Uh, he's not an all-time great quarterback, but he's an all-time great Eagles quarterback, and he absolutely should be credited as such. So that's ridiculous. The fact that he is even considered as one of the great Eagles quarterbacks of all time is just because of, uh, like, we have no actually great quarterbacks here. <laughs> We we the like, bar's low. Like, dude, like whenever Seltzer does his whole like, oh, he's the greatest quarterback in franchise history. It's like that's not even good. Like that's not that's not great for the for the the. He shouldn't like Nick Foles should not be considered the best quarterback in franchise history. I don't. I know he won the game, yeah. and I, I, I'm Bottom well line. aware. And he played the two best games I've ever seen a quarterback, an Eagles quarterback play. But they were right to move off of him because he was never going to do that again. And the fact that we're calling him the best quarterback in franchise history when he didn't complete one full season as the Eagles starter, I find absurd. Look, Jack, this is a bottom-line league. We are a bottom-line station. Yes. And the bottom line is that Nick Foles won Philadelphia its first-ever Super Bowl, something that no other quarterback has ever You're been right. able to do. And the very next year, I'm going to say it, Yep. if it wasn't for the Alshon drop, I think we're in a perfect little pathway for Nick Foles to repeat as Super Bowl champion, no. and then, no. then you might have had to bring him back. No, 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 they were not. Uh, very disappointed in you. I thought you were on my side with the Foles thing. He is – the Foles discussion was, was the, the low point of my time here at the station. <laughs>
yelling at callers, yelling at Gilio, and ultimately he got the job done. So credit to Nick Foles. But the Foles era was the high point. Yes. For, mo- for most people. It might have been the high point. I mean, it was the high point of my life. For, for most people, it not was. for me. I was. I'm furious that he's our Super Bowl champion. You were just. You. You were just mad at the integrity of, of that. Uh, that the integrity of your take was was uh, coming crashing down. I, I will never. For, I will never forget that run and me telling people, he has no shot. Like he has no. And the big no. He's a winner. He knows how to win. And I would clown them. And turns out, uh, I was clowned. So <laughs> good job, Nikki. He was the winner. Speaking of uh, Nikki Foles, Jack number three. The Philly special deserves every oh, bit of praise that it gets. I mean, everything about it is just awesome. All right. The backup quarterback calling his own number. I mean, Jack, and I know your argument to this is the Brandon Graham strip sack. That was more important. Brandon Graham doesn't get put in the situation to make that play without the Philly special because, and I know you remember this because everyone in Philadelphia remembers this game very vividly. This was the kind of game where you needed to have every single play or you were not going to win that game. Mm-hmm. Every single play. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the fourth and goal at the, uh, at the goal line at the Super Bowl halftime, it doesn't. the stakes really don't get much higher than that, Jack. Yeah, I wish they kicked the field goal. I really do. I, I wish they would have kicked the field goal so I don't have to deal with this nonsense. and act, like People act like the Philly special won them the Super Bowl. Now, if they win this, if, if that's the last play of the game, it's like, yeah, that's an all-time, it's a, it's a great play. They were up 15 to 12. They win the game without the Philly special. No, no, they, they don't. They kick a field goal there. Everything is fine. Brandon Graham is still in position to make the strip sack. It's it's no lower than it. I put it at fifth most important play from that game. I could I could have gone lower. No, it, it's absolutely. I, I think one of the most important. You said that uh, we would have still won without the Philly special. No shot. We were Why? down late in the game, even with the Philly special, Jack, to the yeah. point where we need to orchestrate a fourth quarter come from behind drive to even get in position where Brandon Graham can make the strip sack. That isn't even possible. We're probably down two scores without the Phillies. First off, wasn't it 30, was it not 33-31 on the, on the, the, the arch drive? Uh, yes. Okay. So if they, if they kick the field goal, they, it's the same. thing. But then uh, the Patriots can very easily get down in field goal range. That's much different than having to go down and drive. I mean, the, well, the listen, makeup of that drive is completely different. Listen, to your credit, everyone in their car right now is agreeing with you that the Philly special is properly rated as one of the greatest plays of all time. I got Philly on my side. Here. I think it's ridiculous. All right. Um, all right, Jack. Number two, this isn't even really as much of a take as much of a – I would just like to inform you that uh, I won my fantasy championship this year. Okay. And I just wanted you to know that uh, my, my members on my, my team were Tom Brady, Eckler, Devontae Adams, uh, Justin Jefferson, Jack. That's a nasty team. How did you do in your uh, in your fantasy league? Uh, I won one of my fantasy did leagues. Did you really? I also don't care about your fantasy right. team. Right. So we, let's talk about our teams for a second. I don't think anyone out there cares about your fantasy team. I don't think they care about my fantasy team. Uh, although I do, I did have Jamar Chase's 56-point game in a championship, which was, oh, which wow. was a, stress, a stress-free Sunday. Wow. Um, I will say, though, Speaking of the fantasy thing, I, I love talking about my bets and my losses on, yeah. on, on the air. It's the, same, it's the same thing. I know, but <laughs> melting down about a bad beat is just more fun to me than like, oh, your fantasy team. Where is, like fantasy football to me is, is, is hopefully dying. Like I just I don't I don't care Dying. about there's it's too many bigger and bigger yeah but there's too many people it used to be a fun kind of like nerdy we can act but now everyone has a fantasy team like it's not as special betting's gonna go in that same direction you realize that right? I think so too yeah. I think so too but I do I hope that the 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 
betting losses on the air are still as funny to people <laughs> as they are to me. Yeah, I think meltdowns are never not funny, at I least agree. if you ask me. Over, you know, I agree. Well, over uh, was that number two? That was number two, All yeah. All right, what's, what do you got for number one? <laughs> number one, Jack, uh, you, you give this guy a lot of you-know-what for uh, kind of how he started off when he, when he first came here for doing uh, something, something specific here. Bryce Harper pandering to the fan base, Jack. There's nothing wrong with it. I mean, it, let the guy do his thing. You know what they say, Jack? You reap what you sow. You can't be out here going, oh, Harper Lent. And then when he gets here, you start complaining when he embraces the fan base. I mean, you asked for this, dude. I, I mean, know. If you're a kid, it's really cool. If you're an adult, don't let it bother you. Ignore it. Like, I, get over it. I do like being pandered to. I will say that. Like the James Harden press conference, I yeah. was like, I was like, yes, please tell me more about how much you love, right, right. love me as a fan. It tickles you. The price thing, it just felt a little forced. It was like you're, you're like the the fanatic cleats, the coming out to Fresh oh, Prince of Bel Air. Oh, I love it. Like, man. All right, listen, I like the fanatic too, but like it's a mascot. He yeah. knows what he's got to do to kind no, of. No, and I know, and it's smart. Really it's smart, and for a long time I was ripping him for it, but you came, so you come around on it. He did. Well, he won the MVP. Okay. Like I was, see, my thing was like, I don't care about that stuff. Just win, help us win, mm. and he did as much as he possibly could to, right, to right. help us win. The team just wasn't that good. But I will admit, the, the pandering stuff was like, all right, come so, on. so you've come around a little bit on it. I've come around a little bit. The okay. fact that he started playing better. Like, I didn't like that as soon as he started playing bad, like, he would wear Eagle stuff around. I'd be like, oh, it's, all, it's okay. Um, but, yes, Bryce, he is all-timer. And if you're an athlete coming to the city that was once hated, because, yes, I used to hate Bryce Harper, yeah. he, like, just take that playbook. And James Harden did it very well. Yeah. Doc Rivers, on the other hand, Danny Green, on the other hand, did not play it well. So, um, I've come around a little bit on it, okay. but ultimately, like, I just, I don't, like, Sir, again, like, another example, Sirianni wearing the, the, the Dr. J <laughs> jerseys and the beat Dallas oh. and all the stuff he was doing before they started running the ball. Yeah. I was like, this has to stop because it's just, it comes across as too fake. And I just, I don't, I don't like fake, like, oh, I got to pander the city so they love me kind of thing. That I totally understand. And like you said, the bottom line is it comes down to are you winning or not? You know, that's really what all the fan base cares about. Now, that was kind of the difficulty in doing this list, Jack, is that uh, obviously people's opinions kind of change over time uh, with, with new information. So it sounds to me like I could have reversed this list and it probably <laughs> would have been a little stronger. Yeah, maybe. I yeah. mean, I like the list because I, I just – it's so funny to see what people think of you yeah. in a way. Right, like, right, yeah. like you think of me as, wow, he hates the Bryce Harper Fanders. He hates the Philly special. Yeah. Like, and there's probably people out there like, wow, what a bad guy. <laughs> you just hate Philly sports. No. What's he, your problem? What I realized is like, I, I love Philly sports, but I want us to get to another level where it's just not, you know, it's not the same old like, ah, we got to run the ball and, and, <laughs> Defense wins championships. You want us to evolve. And analytics, bad. No, they're not bad. Look around the rest of the sport. Oh, let's trade for a franchise quarterback rather than build a roster. Great idea. 215-592-9494. That is the top five at five, which uh, if you're listening Monday through Friday at 5 o'clock on the Marks and Reese show, you can usually hear me or whoever is filling in for me attempt to do. Uh, but never like you know totally able to, to to replicate what is usually done at five o'clock. So let's go back to the phones and talk to Marcus in Wilmington. What's happening, Marcus? Hey, hey, what's up, Jack? What do you got for me today? Yeah, I was. Uh, I'm definitely with you, man. It just sounds like you really uh, saying the same thing though. When I say that, I'm talking about uh, Dale and Hurts. You talking about building the team first? 
And basically, I, I think that once you build the team, I think the chemistry begins to come around, and you you, you begin to be able to read, you know, certain players. If we look back at the last season, he basically had two targets. And, uh, uh, you know, when you have three, I think uh, I think it opens things up a little bit more. And once he gets those targets together, I'm not saying he's going to be something spectacular, but I think the chemistry will come around because you got to remember they still can run the ball. Um, what I wanted to also, people kind of in that around that uh, divisional playoff games this uh, this this uh, what, about three weeks ago, three four yeah. weeks yep. ago, uh, people kind of kind of forget about was I think it was like a couple years ago when the Eagles played Buffalo. Josh Allen, he didn't look like that. That uh, yeah. burn. He didn't look like that burn of that game. If, if anybody could think back when we went to Buffalo and beat them in Buffalo, Miles Sanders had a big run that day. Yeah, I mean, Marcus, exactly. I, exactly. I, I I remember it well. My thing with that, and I, I appreciate the call. The whole idea that Jalen Hurts has a chance to to become the next Josh Allen because Josh Allen also took time to develop. It's it's just it's not fair. Josh Allen was the number seven pick in the draft, who has a massive arm that needed to be molded. He had Jordan Palmer, he had Ken Dorsey up there. The physical tools on Josh Allen were insane, and we're seeing it play out now. Like if you were asking me to start a football team, who would I rather have, Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes? I'll probably take Josh Allen. Like I think Josh Allen is a better version of Fash Mahomes. He just as accurate, bigger arm, stronger, faster. He is a freak at the quarterback position. Jalen Hurts has no shot to be that. I don't care how much better he gets. Like we gotta kind of put this whole idea of looking at Josh Allen's progression as a blueprint for for Jalen Hurts because they're not even in the same stratosphere. Josh Allen can make every throw on the field. Jalen Hurts, I think the moment for me that I will never get over is the Bucs game before the half where he's rolling to his left, has a guy wide open for a second, but he was too late to get the ball there and his arm's not strong enough. Whereas Josh Allen can just flick that thing 60-some miles an hour and you have a touchdown there. Jalen Hurts will never be able to do that. And, And listen, I think he's a great kid. And I, I would love to be proven wrong, but I, I don't see that there's any chance I'll be wrong. He has he does not have an NFL caliber arm to really win big. And that's all I'm interested in. All I'm interested in is winning big. That's why I'm not interested in going out and trading for a franchise quarterback because I'm okay being patient because I see what wins. Year in, year out, it's proven. Great rosters win quarterbacks. Or great rosters win championships, not great quarterbacks. 215-592-9494. We'll get to all your calls on the other side. Which camp are you in as an Eagles fan? You're sitting out there. It's the first Sunday of the year without football since August. I mean, that's just not a fun place to be at. You're evaluating the Eagles, and you're saying to yourself, which camp am I in? Do I want them to trade assets? Go try to bring in a Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, Aaron Rodgers, and go for it? Or are you with me? Slow build this thing. Focus on building the roster first and then getting the quarterback. Also, with James Harden and the Sixers, 
Daryl Morey was a guest of the Colin Coward podcast last week after the trade and had some very interesting comments on Doc Rivers and a critique of him that he doesn't buy. What is it, and is he right? We'll play that audio for you coming up next. Welcome back. Jack Fritz here with you on Sports Radio 94 WIP. 215-592-9494 is how you join the show. NBA All-Star Game coming up tonight. It's been hard. You know, no NBA for the last couple of days. I was getting really into uh, my, my same game parlays and, you know, <laughs> like I, I've had to adjust. I was taking college basketball bets yesterday, which I haven't done. Um, and, and then there was the whole abomination of the dunk contest last night. Like, just get rid of it. Like, what, what, what's the point of still having the dunk contest? It, it, like, everyone knows the joke. Every single dunk has already been done. You don't get any of the top players in it. Like, just get rid of it. Or if I was running the NBA, I would say, hey, every single team, send us a dunker. We'll put 30 dunkers in it, and it's, it's single elimination. You know, you go along the way. That way, at least it creates some intrigue, and whoever, whichever team wins or whatever, they get some kind of uh, compensation of some sort. But at least with that way, you know, there's some kind of intrigue. Just having four guys that no most NBA fans has never heard of. It, it was just, it was just brutal. Um, but I mean, I still won. <laughs> I ended up winning money on Obi Toppin, which I was sitting there. I was like, I won, but that was really unfulfilling. Um, but yeah, it was, it was weird. And tonight actually is what used to be my favorite bet of the entire year. Like there was no bet that made me as excited as betting the over of the NBA all-star game. Like it was, it's something I looked forward to. It was something I would watch. And it's like, you're hanging on the edge of your seat because like every point matters because the, the, <laughs> the point total is so high. Like back in the day, even like four years ago, it was like two fifty. Maybe it was the over under now it's up over like 300. You know what it is right now, Kyle? Uh, last I saw it was 323 yeah, that's and a half. It's a massive number. It's insane. Yeah, it's it's not even fun to bet it anymore because that's way too high. And are they going to do the same stupid thing last, like they did last year where it was like they're they're cutting it off at a certain point? That's what I'm predicting, and that's why I, I took the under yeah. because, I, I, I mean, I can't have that. That burnt me last year. Yeah. I was furious when that happened. I didn't know that that was a thing until – like halfway through the game, they're like, "Oh, by the way, like we're stopping this at a certain point." I'm like, "Oh, that would have been uh, some good information to have." Yeah, we'll put money down. Yeah, well, no, they they've ruined my favorite bet of the year. They really have because the over the NBA All Star game, it, it, there's no more fun bet. And plus, like, even if you think you're like, "Oh, it's definitely going under," who the hell wants to root for an under? No, like rooting for under sucks. Life's too short. Life is too short to to root for unders. You're you're rooting for less fun. Like when you're betting an under, just remember what you're doing. You are rooting for less fun in watching a sporting event. But I got to be honest, I'll probably take the under tonight. That number is way too high, yeah. and they don't care for the whole first quarter. Yeah, I took the under. It, it, there's two things to, to why you take the under. They don't care for the first quarter, and the fourth quarter they actually start playing defense, and it slows the whole pace down. So if you're out there, I highly advise betting the under. So that's tonight. Uh, Joel Embiid will be playing. James Harden will not be playing. And it's officially Harden week. I mean, James Harden is going to play his first game for the Sixers. It's very exciting. And for the first time, you really believe that they can realistically win a championship. And I said this earlier, like Joel Embiid winning a championship here in Philadelphia, it would mean 
as much to me as the Eagles winning the Super Bowl. Like, the Eagles winning the Super Bowl was awesome, um, and it was fun, but I've always said that the 2014 winning a Super Bowl would have meant more to me because we had built and grown with those guys. The, the, the 2017 team, it was a lot of, lot of mercenaries. Our, our, the guy that we traded up to become our franchise quarterback didn't win it. It was magical. It was special. But for me, Embiid is right in that category. Like, seeing him embrace the city, talk about how it's his city, seeing his growth as a player into the MVP caliber guy that he is would mean a lot to me. Because I want to see, like, because in basketball, more than any other sport, it's like, you're the star. You're the guy that we're all captivated by. You're the guy that is going to determine whether or not the Sixers win a title. Like, it's the most centrally focused sport out there and bead getting a title would mean as much to me as the Eagles winning a Super Bowl. And if you ask me the main reason why I don't totally believe in them being able to actually win the whole thing, I would answer Doc Rivers. Like I don't I'm not impressed by Doc Rivers. You know, I I think they got him a team now that almost makes it Doc proof. Um but I thought Daryl Morey's comments on Doc Rivers from the Colin Coward podcast the other day were fascinating. Here is Daryl Morey. He's unbelievable with players, motivation, doing what you just said, which is like, you know, I, I, I have a feeling this guy's going to deliver for us tonight, and uh, he does a really great job with that. I also think, like, this whole 3-1 thing is really nuts because, like, he's had a bunch of big leads. Do you know who had to create the big lead? Doc Rivers and the team. <laughs> like, like, what does it matter? Losing seven games, it's somehow worse if you do it going up 3-1 and then losing seven. Then what if we just alternated every game? No one would talk about it. So, like, to me, actually building a 3-1 lead uh, is a huge achievement. Uh, obviously, if you coach long enough, you're going to have some good times. You can have some bad times. He's had both. Uh, so it's just like everyone's trying to find a story uh, for why they're up or down on something, you know, which is, which is fine. That's part of the job. So. You know what that is? That is a guy who is a little bit too deep into into analytics and the and the numbers. And believe me, I'm I'm very pro analytic. But that was like so. Well, you know, it, it, you got to build a three one lead. And you know, would you rather we go alternating? Like, did, then no one would care. That's a little too far for me. That's a little too nerdy. That just blew my mind. I, do you think any? Talk to an Atlanta Falcons fan. You think any of them are like, oh, Super Bowl 51, you know. It was great. We were up 28 to 3, so yeah, everything's we, fine. Hey, we built that lead too. Yeah, you get, had to, get us had a to parade. build the lead. Yeah, it's just like, hey Daryl, he has the most blown 3-1 leads in the history of the NBA. Like there there has to be some kind of trend for that. And in having to listen to that a year removed from blowing a 26-point lead at home, and an 18-point lead in the same series while also blowing Game 7 at home, while also having to spend all year listening to him tell us how great Ben Simmons actually was. And then the second that Ben Simmons has a, a, a falter in a big moment, Doc is already ba- uh, backtracking saying, ah, you know, I don't know if he can be the best player on a championship team. It don't – that that was so annoying to listen to. And it's one of those things with, with the – because you'll look at the numbers and you get a little too analytic-y where it's like it's actually not that big of a deal. It's a big deal. And given that the teams that Doc Rivers has had, we're talking about prime Chris Paul, prime Blake Griffin, 
prime DeAndre Jordan, prime J.J. Redick. That was pretty much the core of his teams out in Los Angeles. Those teams blowing 3-1 leads, including uh, it was Game 7 against the Rockets in 2014, where actually Harden was on the bench, and they blew a 28-point lead at home. It was one of the most ridiculous things I've ever seen. So you can say it's not a big deal, but I'm just saying that if the guy with the largest history of blowing 3-1 leads does it again, there is a trend here. And if you're asking me what is the main reason that's that's giving me cause for pause when it goes all in on, on believing this team can win a, win a title, it's not Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid has taken this game to another level. I think his son Arthur being born has, has transformed him into – uh, everything we had hoped he had been. He is unbelievable. I don't think it's going to be James Harden. I think James Harden is one of the smartest offensive players ever. He's already number three or number 33 on the Athletics' top 75 players of all time. I think he is an offensive savant. Do I think him and Embiid might take a little bit to mesh? I do. If you're asking me the main reason why I don't fully buy this team will win a title, For me, it comes down to Doc Rivers. I know he won in 08, but I am so sick and tired of having to hear, well, he's a champion. I get he's a champion, but he's a champion because they built the first super team. (laughs) Like They got KG, Paul Pierce, and Ray Allen together at the, the, the prime of their careers. Them not winning a title would have been a disappointment, and frankly, they probably should have won more than one title. 215 592 94 94. If you want to react to what Daryl Morey had to say about Doc Rivers, let's go to media and talk to Mike. What's happening, Mike? Hey, listen, uh, I'm, I'm agreeing with you today. I've been listening to the daytime shows, and I agree. It's not the time to more for the Eagles to mortgage the future. Uh, you know, they just there are too many missing pieces. You also pointed out just a minute ago that, uh, you know, uh, Bryce Harper with the with the Phillies, it's almost it's almost a waste of money. They got this guy, and there's no one around him. It's a total waste of talent. When you can get three first round draft picks, and even if two of them hit, you're going to be better off than than blowing it all on one person who's not really going to help you. Yeah, and the Bryce Harper thing for me, it's like I see what just happened with the Phillies. Bryce Harper has played just as bad as well as we could have hoped. I never thought he was going to win an MVP here. He did. And the team won 82 games last year. You have to build a team first, Mike. I totally agree. You know, I was at the Rose Bowl when uh, Russell Wilson was with Wisconsin. They mm-hmm. got down to the 10-yard line. He couldn't push him over the over the goal line. So, you know, it takes more than one person, and the Eagles aren't there. Yeah, Mike, and I, I agree with you. And you got to remember, I mean, Russell Wilson won that Super Bowl when his – Defense was loaded, and the team was was set up for them to run the ball. And ever since he has been asked to be the guy, he's had one postseason win since 2015. And, and that was over Josh McCown, who, again, tore his hamstring in that game. It's not like that's some impressive playoff win. That's like that's like I'd hope you'd win that game. Carson Wentz went out, and Russell Wilson, like, he didn't even play that well. It was like a fine Russell Wilson performance. And, again, I don't think that's all on him, but it just goes to prove that you have to focus on building this roster up. I'm so sick and tired of having to listen day in, day out to this idea of, hey, let's go trade these assets and bring a quarterback in here. 
That's not what wins in the NFL. Are you more interested in having a fun team with a great quarterback, or are you more interested in winning? Because I can tell you that two years from now, as you continue to build up this roster, you get some high-impact blue-chip players on hopefully defense and, and hopefully another receiver on offense, that then you go in and you go get a quote-unquote franchise quarterback. You don't push your chips in when your team isn't ready to win. This team is not ready to win just yet. 215-592-9494. Which camp are you in? Are you with me? Build the team first. That should be their first priority this offseason. Or are you probably in the camp of Howie Roseman, who is probably in this camp as well, which is I'm going to go get a franchise quarterback and I'll figure out the, the rest later. On the other side, a key member of the Eagles is heading into a lame duck year. And I believe the Eagles should give him an extension. Who is it? I'll tell you that next and why I believe the Eagles need to get this done. We'll get to all that and your calls coming up next. (laughs) Oh, yeah. There he is. Welcome back. Jack Fritz here with you on Sports Radio 94 WIP. Coming up at 6 o'clock, I have some information on baseball. And if we're heading towards a resolution, I will share that with you coming up at the top of the hour. But you heard that laugh. And boy, do we have some conversations about Howie Roseman. And yes, am I firmly in the camp where I do not believe in him going forward. But I will say this. So I was, I saw Zach Taylor get a contract extension the other morning. And it got me thinking, you know, when is Howie due for a contract? Or, or is he up? Or... What is this deal run through? And I, I I looked it up online. And after the 2018 season, him and Doug both got contract extensions through the 2022 season. And I was like, that's interesting. Because theoretically, he would only have one year left under contract as Eagles GM. And I'm sure a lot of you out there on this beautiful Sunday night, a little cold, are thinking to yourself, that's great news. Howie Roseman, one last year of Howie before we move on and get a real football guy in here. And I'm here to say, I want to give Howie Roseman a contract extension. Now, does that mean, am I going to sit here and try to sell you on, he's done a great job and he's figured it out and Howie, I guess this is what, is this Howie 3.0? Are we up to Howie 3.0? 100%, man. So I want to give Howie Roseman a contract extension because I don't want a desperate GM in a crucial, crucial offseason making decisions trying to save his job. I think that is detrimental to a franchise. I don't need him going out there in an offseason in which they have three first-round picks and all this cap space trying to do what I have railed against all afternoon here, which is the idea that the Eagles should go out and trade assets to try to get Russell Wilson or one of these top flight quarterbacks in here. Because what that would show me is that Howie doesn't care about the future of the Eagles. He only cares about the present. And he's not thinking with the best long-term in uh, the best long-term option. And I'm a guy that I believe 
in more windows than one-off runs. It's why I don't buy what the Eagles just did this last season in making the playoffs. Was it fun to go through? I guess. But in the end, what did we really learn? Like, I didn't, I didn't leave this season thinking that we have the next golden era of Eagles football. I didn't, I didn't leave this season thinking we got the next Andy and Donovan. I left this season thinking they're going to need a quarterback, and I'm not sold on Nick Sirianni. Also, the roster's pretty old. But if you have a GM who is in a lame duck offseason and a guy in Howie's way who is really, really good at keeping his job, I have a fear that Howie is going to try to push his chips in and get one of those guys in here so he can sell to Jeffrey that he got a franchise quarterback in here. Howie Roseman is in a lame duck year. Lame duck years are dangerous. They are great for players because you usually get the best version of that player trying to get a new contract. When it comes to GMs and when it comes to hoping that they have the best interest of the actual team at heart, it's hard to do that if your contract is up at the end of the year. So if I'm the Eagles, I'm giving Howie a contract extension so that he is, has some security for himself and he doesn't try to make win-now moves for a team that is not ready to win. And as we all know, even if they sign to a contract extension, they can always move on from him and all it would take is just paying him. But having that, that level of security would, would make me feel better about the Eagles rather than Howie, who I know wants to be aggressive, trying to make moves in self-preservation mode. I don't want that. So if I'm Jeffrey Lurie, I'm giving Howie a contract extension in the hopes that he is thinking about the future of the Eagles, not the present. 215-592-9494. Should the Eagles extend Howie Roseman? I think they should. And I'm not the biggest Howie guy. I can admit that he's done some nice things, but if you're asking me to trust Howie, absolutely not. But what I can't have is a lame duck GM with three first-round picks and a ton of cap space trying to make self-preservation moves on a team that doesn't need that. 215-592-9494. Let's go back to the phones and go to Tennessee and talk to our good pal Justin. What's happening, buddy? What's happening, Jack? How y'all doing? Today, How's your man? Sunday evening going? What do you got cooking up for the fam? I'm just sitting down here in the basement playing some PlayStation, some MLB the show, because it doesn't look like we're gonna have any baseball anytime soon. Well, so. coming up at six o'clock, I might be able to change your mind on that. Well, I've I've got to watch the Vols play a couple of games this weekend, so I mean yeah, they're, they're they're looking pretty good. Drew Georgia Gilbert with there, Drew so. Gilbert with a home run last night and yeah, Jordan, Jordan wicked, Beck. Wicked bat flip. That's exactly right. How do you feel about this quarterback thing, buddy? Well, I want I want Deshaun Watson, but if they can't get Deshaun, I'm happy to stay with Hurts. I don't want Russ. I don't. I just I don't know. He's I know he's only 36 or not 36. What 33. Is, yeah, but Watson's only 26, I think, something like that. And if you're going to make a get, make a big trade with a lot of draft picks, I want the younger guy. I don't, I don't want Russ. I, I would rather have Deshaun if everything works out, you know, with his legal issues. And if you yeah. can, I'm fine sticking with Hurts. Justin, my thing on Deshaun Watson is like, I know he's a great quarterback. I, I for, there's three things with Deshaun Watson. I don't want to root for him. I don't feel totally comfortable giving up the assets it would take 
to get a guy who hasn't played in a year. You know, he, he, at that point, he's going to be a year and a half off. And also, the last time I saw him play, he was great. He put up 5,000 yards. That team won four games. Like, that's yeah. that gives me some concern here with a roster that I don't think is ready to win yet. I, I could I could see that. I, I could. And I, I understand where you've got a lot of people saying that they wouldn't want to root for him. I, I do. But it, looking at all, all the quarterbacks that, you know, possibly could be available, whatever, he would be the one that I would go after if they'd go after one. Second off, I think we need to get a – Twitter thing going and make her MLB commissioner. Yep. I think Herb would be an awesome MLB commissioner. I heard that call. That was just about the time I, I tuned in. I, I almost forgot you were going to be hosting. I wanted to listen. Come on, Justin. Like, oh, crap. Well, I forgot, man. I had a lot going on <laughs> right after church and everything. Yeah. Anyway, I, I, I got tuned in right when Herb came on, so so that was kind of luck in my favor, I guess. But, yeah, we need to get something going. Herb needs to be MLB commissioner. Did you think his but, logic uh, was sound about about uh, oh. drafting a 22-year-old Jack Fritz who is now 27 <laughs> and then shipping yeah. him off four years later if he doesn't make the big leagues? Yeah, definitely. It's it's Everything with Herb is sound logic, man. Oh, it's, listen. It's awesome. It's, nah. it's, I mean, he's, he's one of a kind, man. And he, if he gets his meeting, I mean, I, I would pay good money to see Herb get a meeting with some of these people he wants to get a meeting with. Well, he wants to, he wants to get me up in New York next week to, or to talk yeah. to some. It's like, I just, the thing with Herb is I want to know what planet he lives on and, like, how he <laughs> thinks that any of this is real. Like, is he already in the metaverse? I mean, the metaverse seems like the next big thing. I think I think Herb's already there. <laughs> well, he he very well could be. But ah. uh, anyway, man, I'm I'm gonna stay down here in the hole and keep listening to you till it's church time. But hey, man, you keep going. Love you, man. Ah, oh, love you too, buddy. Justin in Tennessee, uh, down in his man cave playing PlayStation. Do adults still play video games there, Kyle? Like, do you still play video games? Do, do you classify me as an adult? Yeah, I don't know where you're at. <laughs> I, I think I'm... you're like right in the middle. You're still trying to figure this whole thing called I life am. out. I really am. And uh, well, do you still play video games? I play video games only. I, I only play sports games. Yeah, and yeah. that's like so when baseball season comes around, I become a big the show guy. Right. Same thing with uh, the NFL and Madden and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, Madden's tr- Madden it's, is the worst. W- is the worst of the four major sports games. EA yeah. does a horrendous job. Not even close. Like, right. like it's so frustrating because you'll play. I used to play two K. Like, I, I don't play video games anymore. Yeah. Like I just I don't have time. Yeah, you got a wife and all yeah, that. Yeah, you know? I'm busy. Um. But like 2K, it was like they, they had the actual shots down. Like it was, it felt like I was actually playing with Steph Curry. And then I, I would play Madden, and it's like they don't even have Brady's mechanics down, or they don't have Rogers' mechanics down. It's like why? They're way behind. And another thing that EA does that bothers me is they'll like rip away features in old games, and then add them back like five years later and be like, new feature. Yeah, we're back. Yeah, like no, like they, you've had this before. You just took it away and ruined it. Uh, 2K NBA 2K is decent. They, I, I think they did something screwy with that shot meter. It's like imp- literally impossible to put a shot in. I will say, I at one point, I would say I was the best 2K player in in, <laughs> in the this, nation, in the state of PA. Okay. I was a dominant at, at WIP. Well, definitely at WIP. <laughs> I mean, a bunch of scrubs here and just running pick and rolls over and uh, over and over. I'll again. say, I think the show is the most well put together I of know. all the sports games. So I was always an Xbox guy. So I never got, I never played the show except when it was on both. Like it just became a just PlayStation thing. Yeah. And then I think the last one was 2K. I think they made a 2K with Doc on the front of it. So but, actually, I, I literally, I told you I won my fantasy league. I used yeah, that money you. and bought a uh, bought a PlayStation. <laughs> Good purchase. Good <laughs> purchase. That's Kyle Quinn. Kyle Quinn on his way out. Kyle, I appreciate. 
Uh, all your help so far. Decent job with the top five and five. <laughs> Francisco Rojas is coming up next with me. I still got you coming up uh, up until 7 o'clock. And on the other side, I have some information on Major League Baseball. And if we're heading towards a resolution, is it moving in the right direction? I'll tell you what I'm hearing coming up next. Welcome back. Jack Fritz here with you on Sports Radio 94. WIP 215-592-9494 is how you join this show. Final hour here before handing it off to Rob Cherry. He'll take you through the rest of the night. Francisco Rojas in the building. And since Francisco's here, I I feel like I had to, to save this for him because I come bearing good news on baseball. From what I'm hearing, March 1st will be the start of spring training, and they're coming together this week. Both sides are coming together to get some kind of resolution here. Now, do I know if it's going to be like (laughs) the players are going to leave being happy and they're going to feel like they got a big win against the owners? I don't know that. But what I heard was that both sides are motivated to get a deal done. And that's exciting from a baseball perspective because it's ridiculous. Like, it's so frustrating to talk about because I love baseball so much. And I know that there's people out there uh, that are like, oh, I'm done with the sport. I'm not going to come back to it now yet again. And and I'm one of those fans where, like, I I don't care. Like, the, the labor stuff just annoys me. Like, just figure it out. And I really hope that there is someone there and I Definitely don't think it's the commissioner. Uh, I hope that there's someone there that actually loves and respects the sport of baseball and its fans because I think it's a great sport. And I think it gets it gets a bad rap nationally because it's not a national sport anymore. And I've always grown up with baseball as a regional sport. Like I've never, I've never, I didn't grow up during the days where the baseball players were treated as gods in this country. You know, the the Mickey Mantle, the the Willie Mays, Hank Aaron, like. Those guys were were huge, huge popular figures, and I grew up in an era where it was always regional. And I think a baseball team in a local town just matters more. And I I, I know that by looking at Boston, looking at New York, looking at Chicago, like the three biggest markets in the country. Baseball is the most important sport there. L.A. You know the Lakers are still probably king there, but the Dodgers are just as big of a deal. Like, the Dodgers winning a championship for L.A. was massive. Like, the, the biggest markets in sports, baseball matters there. And I just, it's not as popular nationally as it used to be. But I just hope that there is someone in there that still cares about the sport. Now, what I'm hearing suggests that, that both sides want to come together and get a deal done. March 1st is when Big League Camp will start, and they are anticipating that it will start on time, which is which is good news. Like you can't, you can't afford to fall further behind. And what's frustrating for me is that these last couple years, I genuinely felt like baseball was starting to make a bit of a comeback on on social media. They'd heard the problems, they've seen how big the NBA has gotten because of highlights and and being able to share stuff, and and it made this whole idea that the NBA was bigger than baseball. I don't think the NBA is bigger than baseball, and I don't think a local basketball team means more to their city than a local baseball team. I still believe baseball 
is is a big deal here. But you can't fall far farther behind. I know I'm one of those fans to where I will always be coming back. Like the second there's baseball on my TV, I will be watching. I don't care what they put me through. I will always watch. Um, you know, right now it's 33 degrees, but if I saw if I saw Zach Wheeler throwing a bullpen or Bryce Harper taking BP, I would feel a little bit warmer inside. And for me, it's just frustrating thinking that the the commissioner of the sport, which I don't even know why he's called the commissioner of baseball. He's the owner's like puppet. He's not. He doesn't care about baseball. He cares about the owners making more money. Like he does not care if the sport is in a good spot. All he cares about and all he does is do what the owners tell him to do. So wh- I just don't understand why we can't have someone that's actually the commissioner of baseball that can bring both sides together rather than just having the guy who's the voice of the owners as, quote-unquote, the commissioner of baseball. It's, 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 it's frustrating beyond belief. They have figured out ways to screw this up. Uh, they've wasted an entire offseason. You know, Rob Manfred, when he locked out the sport, said, I hope this spurs conversation. Well, they waited 45 days. And, and now, you know, I think they're going to figure it out. And I'm hearing they are going to figure it out. But the fact that it took this long is absurd. Now they have agreed to some things, uh, like the universe, the DH is going to be universal, which, which I don't love. Um, they have, uh, there's no draft pick compensation anymore for for free agents, which is a big win, especially if you're a Phillies fan because they need a lot of help and and money is the one thing that can kind of set them, separate them from other teams. But what, what was causing the Phillies some pause was like, yeah, I I would love to add a Nick Castellanos or a Trevor Story. But I have to give up a second and third round pick to do that. Now, with with that being gone, you can you can sign those guys without having to give up draft picks. And for a team that needs young talent uh, in the Phillies, that's a massive win. And it seems like we're it seems like we're going to get seven teams in each league, which is going to be interesting. My thing is, I baseball is the sport where I don't like more playoff teams. I I like that the regular season matters in playoff in, in in baseball, and I know it's long, but I just I I hate the idea that more teams get to make the playoffs in baseball, and I guess I'm just jarred or jaded because I'm a Phillies fan, and I I just don't think that the 82 and 80 Phillies deserve to make the playoffs. Like, if you go through 162, I believe the best teams separate themselves, and I just hate the idea of mediocrity being rewarded. Now. I know that sports are all trending towards playoffs are the only thing that matters, and baseball is is probably going to do the same thing because that's where the revenue comes from. But I just like that that the Major League Baseball regular season still means something, and uh, seven teams would be uh, mildly frustrating. Two one five five nine two ninety four ninety four. Speaking of the Phillies, uh, real quick here. So you you see the you see the Sixers trade for James Harden. We know how aggressive the Eagles usually are. Now, I'm advocating that they do not use assets to trade for a Russell Wilson, but I know that Howie is probably down there thinking, oh, well, they got James Harden. I need to go make a big splash so we don't lose our place in the market. I started thinking, what about the Phillies? What about them losing a place in the market? It seems like they're falling behind the Sixers. They probably have in most people's eyes. If I'm John Middleton, I'm very curious to see how competitive he really is. We hear all the time from from national writers, local writers, oh, John Middleton is competitive. I'm curious to see how competitive he is. If I'm the Phillies, 
I can't like the Sixers are going to be playing until May. Like they're going to be playing deep into the playoffs. You can't let the beginning of your season be drowned out by a Sixers playoff run. You can't let the beginning of your season be drowned out by the Eagles having three first round picks. I mean, the draft is late April. By that point, you're you're a month into the baseball season, God willing. They they figure this out and get started on time. Again, I'm hearing March 1st for for big league training camp and opening day is still good to go. But if they can't, like you can't have no buzz about your team. So I'm very curious once the lockout is over to see if John Middleton lets this team and lets Dave Dombrowski, who we know is a wheeler and dealer and a guy that likes going after big guys, if he gives him the freedom to go do that. I'm very curious to see what the uh, the the luxury tax is going to end up being. The players want it obviously higher. The owners are trying to keep it down. But if it gets higher, the, the Phillies have about – 40 some million right now um in 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 being under the tax. I know the tax is like not that big of a deal. It's just a little bit uh of a of a penalty. But I'm curious to see if Middleton and how competitive he wants to be because by that point it's going to be May. James Harden and the Sixers will be making a deep playoff run. The Eagles will be coming off either trading for a franchise quarterback or or having three draft picks or or moving up in the draft. The Phillies could very, very quickly fall, you know, possibly even further behind here. So I'm curious to see how competitive John Middleton is once the lockout's over and if he lets Dave Dombrowski go spend money. 215-592-9494. Speaking of baseball, when I think of baseball in this town, I think of one guy, Cashmere in Pottstown. What's happening, pal? Jack, Jack, Jack. It has been a long time, my friend. How you been? I am good. I'm just, I'm just missing our sport, pal. I know I'm missing it too. I'm missing it too, man. But I gotta tell you, I got, I got you know, I want to talk. I, I, once I found out you were on the air, man, I said I, I gotta talk baseball with Jack. I just gotta talk some baseball. Yes, let's do I, it. So I gotta ask, man. And I was reading a couple because I'm I'm that uh, guy. So I mean, I know you were talking about and 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 you know that's actually the part of the sport that I love. That baseball is actually a regional sport. That's actually the kind of the part that I love. Is that because it's your team. It's your hometown team. You know, the, the Philadelphia Phillies are our are, are, are hometown team, even yes. though I'm not really in Philadelphia. But it's, it's still considered, you know, the, the hometown team that your team can actually gravitate to instead of the whole world talking about it. But then when your team gets there, your whole te- your, the whole world does talk about it. And that's kind of the beauty of it. Yes. You know? Well, and, and, and Kashmir for me, like, they're with me all summer. You know, it's like every night I know, hey, 7 o'clock, can turn on the fills, and they're always there. Like, it's it's the best journey in sports. It is. It absolutely is. And what I was going to ask you, to get back on points, uh, I was going to ask you, is like, it's just, I mean, I do with the fact, I mean, listen, we, we had Bryce Harper win the MVP. We had we had Zach Wheeler getting Cy Young votes. And, and you know, we had a guy like Ranger Suarez who came out of nowhere and became an absolute star for us. And what still gets me, and, we, and, re, and honestly, we really didn't, besides Reese Hoskins, I mean, we really didn't suffer really any of that. We, we didn't suffer an Atlanta Braves injury, you know, yep. and we still finished 80, 82 and 80, yep. which just gets me. It's like, it's, it, I want the sport to, to start on time, but then I don't just want to be embarrassed. Well, starts, well I mean, listen, it's been, Cashmere, I always appreciate the call. It's been a long decade. I mean, uh, we, we now have the second longest playoff drought in, in all of baseball. 
Uh, the only team that has a longer one is the Seattle Mariners in, back in 2001. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's been a long decade. Now, the positive is is that, I don't know, the, it seems like Freddie Freeman might actually leave the Braves, which is absurd. Like, imagine the Phillies win the World Series and then not paying their best player. I know Acuna is overall the best player, but Freddie Freeman is the heart and soul of that team. Um, I think they still will get a deal done, but the fact that it's, it's taken this long is is kind of a slap in the face if I'm Freddie Freeman, given what he's done down there. And it seems like the Yankees are ready to pounce. So at least from that standpoint, if they if the Braves lose Freddie Freeman, that's a big win for the Phils. The Nationals are terrible. I'm not the, the, Soto's unbelievable, but the rest of that team is just brutal. Marlins always give the Phils fits, and then there's the Mets who uh, absolutely are blowing past the luxury tax in an attempt to go for it. Have some unbelievable players, but either way, again, uh, hearing March first. Hopefully we get baseball. I hope that all comes to fruition. And this week is, is, is a big week. Big sports week this week. Baseball, hopefully figuring their stuff out. Um, I just saw Bryson Stott is rooming with Bryce Harper down in Clearwater. So Bryce is already in the house. Um, and, of course, it's Harden week. It is James Harden week. He will debut for the Sixers this week. 215-592-9494. On the other side. Doc Rivers wasn't the only thing Daryl Morey had strong opinions about on the Colin Cowherd podcast. He also had a plan to change the NBA playoffs. What was it, and would you like it? It would be a massive, massive change. We'll play that audio for you next and discuss. Jack Fritz here on Sports Radio 94 WIP. Welcome back. Jack Fritz here with you on Sports Radio 94 WIP. 215-592-9494 is how you join the show. We'll get to the audio uh, from Daryl Morey, who was sure he's doing a little bit of a media rounds after this James Harden trade. We hadn't heard from him uh, the entire season, uh, even back to the preseason, I think was the first time we heard from him. Uh, and now, you know, he makes this big trade and he's on the Colin Cowherd podcast. He's on spikes podcast you know just he's getting around after that that, that big move so uh he's fired up the city's fired up i'll play his audio on his change of the playoffs here in one second but first let's go to westmont and talk to alan what's up alan yes uh first of all uh please be in good health with a good smile oh i try to do that every day alan i actually good. ran four right. miles today that was a, the new personal record for me i'm a, i'm 85 years old i don't i don't run that far huh well, good to hear from you, Alan. What do you got for right. me tonight? I got, okay, a couple of questions. Uh, one question, uh, uh, who's Jeff Lurie's best friend? Howie Roseman. Correct. What kind of a deal do you think he'll get? If he signs a contract, does he need a contract? Legally, probably, he does need a contract. If he signs another contract, it'll be for 112 years. <laughs> you might be you right. Follow, I, you know what I'm saying? No, okay? Alan, Alan, and I agree. I, I don't think Howie's actually going anywhere, but I just right. would like some security just so I don't think he's dealing in desperation. That's more my yeah. point. It's their, it's their call. Okay. Uh, sports in general. Um, baseball. The best thing about baseball is Larry Anderson. <laughs> I totally agree. LA, okay. LA makes baseball during right. the summer uh, enjoyable. Yeah. Right. And uh, I uh, used to play uh, in the uh, over-70 league, uh, in uh, New Jersey. Sports is sports. It's a lot of fun. It's not money. Do you make as much money as the ball players make? I never did in my whole life. Couldn't do that. I remember in 1953 when my father had his business, I came to work for him 
there were three guys at the front of the store that we had on Arch Street. Uh, they were from the Eagles. Um, um, Wild Man Willie was one of the guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, Norman, Norman Willie. Um, they made their their annual salary from the National Football League playing for the Eagles was fifteen hundred dollars a year. Mm-hmm. That's why they had to make up that new guy next door. Uh, Pete Pios was working. Yep. Um, it's not sports anymore. Uh, sports is where you go. Like me, I used to wear on, on in the over seventy league at Cherry Hill. I used to wear number thirty nine on the back of my uh, uh, jersey. Yeah. And people would say, "Hey, yo, Alan, what's that number thirty nine? And I would say, "That's not thirty. That's not my number. That's my age." And they would throw things and yell at me. That was sports. We had fun. We loved it. We didn't make money, but we loved it. And that that's what it is nowadays. Um, it's it's just, you know, when you, you get uh, – when, when you listen to sports and you listen to things that are happening uh, on a basketball uh, – a wind-up of a basketball team, a basketball game, you'll hear a guy say, well, he had nine shots for 23 feet and 18 shots for 12%. Nine, three, five, 12 are uh, – who needs the numbers? Who needs it? I want to know how were how were they? Right, now, Alan. Yeah. I appreciate the call. I, my favorite kind of calls. I they really are. They really are. I, I I love the the elders perspective on modern sports. He's he's not a little bit like Hoobie Brown. Like I'm not like it could have been Hoobie Brown that just called the show. That was good to hear from Alan, um, in Westmont. And speaking of his point on sports and money and how it seems like it's the only thing that matters these days. I don't think Allen is going to uh, be very happy with these comments from, from Daryl Morey. The playoffs, I 100% agree. Shorter is better. I would have it one and done. One and done. Every game is going to be like a Super Bowl or something. Until the it. conference finals? The whole way. And I know I'm, I'm, like, I'm like the guy everyone else says is crazy, but there's a reason everyone tunes into every game at huge ratings in the NFL. It is literally one and done. And the NCAA tournament in 63 games gets more TV money than we do in our entire regular season. There it is. He Again, it's all about money for these guys. But the idea, it really is a fascinating idea. And it's something that I personally wouldn't like. Like, I... I think this NCAA tournament is is remarkable, but it's also one of a kind. Like you get the Cinderella teams, and and sure the ratings are great. Um, I just don't like it from an NBA perspective. Uh, you know, for me, I like the I like a, a series. I like a team can be down three one and seeing if they can work their way back. There's a little bit too much randomness in that kind of thing for the for an NBA playoffs. Like like. I understand his point, and if they did it, it would they would do massive numbers. Like March Mad, like college basketball isn't even well played anymore. Like I, I've been watching it the last couple of weeks now that football's over, and it's just like, man, the quality of college basketball is brutal. Like Nova's Nova's just so good because they don't do the one and done thing, and they actually run a system and they bring in college guys that 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 get toughness and like even Coach K who used to be. The, the, the guy who was so against one and done, he got away from it. And now he's a big, you know, one and done coach, whereas Jay Wright just always kept the thing moving. But like an NBA one and done playoff uh, 
thing would be ridiculous ratings wise. I get his point, but I, I'm not a big parody guy. Like I, I like I like seeing the best teams play. I like I like storylines. I like seeing if uh, a team can overcome a deficit, or, or or in our case, see if our head coach can blow a three-one lead. I don't like the randomness that a one-and-done NBA playoff scenario would 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 bring. Now, I do think it would do massive numbers. Daryl's right about that, and they would make a lot of money. But for me, when it comes to the NBA playoffs, I still like the series. I still like I still like a game seven. Now, a single elimination tournament style thing, every game would be a game seven. Um, but you know, seeing the build up, seeing how teams react, seeing if guys can handle the moment, uh, coming back from things, a little too random for my liking. Two one five five nine two ninety four ninety four. Do you like the idea of the NBA moving towards a one and done playoff system? Daryl Morey wants it. He also suggested that the regular season gets brought down to fifty eight games. Again, like what even is the point of the regular season anymore in any sport? Baseball, I think, is going to add seven games or seven teams to the playoffs. Hockey's at eight, basketball's at eight, football's up to seven. It's just like it's the the regular season is almost so worthless now because these teams make so much money in the playoffs. And I get it from their perspective, but I just wish the regular season still mattered as much. And it, it seems like it's probably going to go down to 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 fifty eight games or not maybe not fifty eight. Fifty eight's a little low, but down to like seventy. 72 get rid of 10 games and and you know all that but i i don't love the idea of a single elimination playoff system uh because it's just too random for me in a in a sports landscape where i like to see greatness rewarded 215-592-9494 do you like the idea of a single game playoff tournament like daryl morey let's go back to the phones and talk to mike in brewery town what's up mike What's up, Jack? How you doing? I'm good, man. How are you? How do you feel about the quarterback thing? Well, I do. Wait, I'm sorry. One more time. What do you feel about the quarterback thing? All right. So getting into the quarterback situation, here's my take, right? Like, did I enjoy Hurts this year? Like, a little bit, yes. But I'm also kind of like in a situation where if you think about the Sixers, right, we don't have a young offensive line. I'm kind of ready for us to take a little bit of a chance and a grip on somebody that can actually win it for us. And, and I'm not going to sit there and tell you it's, you know, it, it, it you know, it, it is, um, I'm sorry, I'm going off off topic here, but I'm not going to sit there and tell you that it is one of the elite quarterbacks from, you know, that everybody's like talking about, right. but at the same time, it's, there's no specific name to it, but if we're willing to take a chance to it, to somebody that may make a difference, then I'm open to it. Does that make sense? Yeah, and and Mike, I appreciate the call. My my thing is is that if you go get one of those elite quarterbacks, what is next? You're down the draft capital, and you're down cap space. So you have to if you if you trade for Russell Wilson, everyone will bring up, oh well, his cap hits only twenty five million. If you're if you're trading for Russell Wilson, he's going to want a new contract. That's going to be upwards of $40-some million. So all of your cap space is is pretty much gone. But not all of it. But a good amount of your cap space is being taken up by a guy who, when they won, 
was on a rookie contract, and the rest of the roster was was loaded. They won not because of Russell Wilson. He came in and he was he was great, and he was able to he's able to be a game manager, and and they could run their way with beast mode, and they had a great defense, and he was just a really good game manager when they brought Russell Wilson in out of Wisconsin. But since then, he has one playoff win, and it was over Josh McCown. Why is that? Russell Wilson had gotten better every single year. Russell Wilson has gotten better since the Legion of Boom. He has turned into a Hall of Fame caliber quarterback, but they've done less winning. Why is that? Because they can't afford anyone else around him. Would it help if they drafted better? I'm sure it would help that they drafted better. But for me, my first priority this offseason is trying to build the team, not pushing in assets and trying to go get a franchise-caliber quarterback. My main priority this offseason is not to, to, to go trade for Deshaun Watson, a Russell Wilson, an Aaron Rodgers. Uh, go get one of those guys. I am committed to building this the right way. Because I see what wins every single year. Like this whole idea that they can just trade for a quarterback and the Eagles are going to be the Rams of next year. Someone from Pro Football Focus actually wrote that this week. That if the Eagles trade for Russell Russell Wilson, they would be the Rams of next year. Do I need to just point out the Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, Andrew Whitworth, Cooper Cup, Odell Beckham Jr., Cam Akers, Sean McVay, uh, Sean Robinson, uh, Von Miller. Like we can go on and on, but all the talent on that Rams team, the Eagles don't have that. They don't. They have they have a bunch of pretty good players and elite offensive run blocking offensive line. They're not ready yet, so we're just pushing our chips in to go get a quarterback to put them in the same situation that they are trying to get out of. That doesn't help anyone. Build it the right way. Look at what wins. I went through this earlier. Dating back to 2014, here are the Super Bowl champions. The only thing that matters. The Rams, great roster, got the quarterback. Bucks, great roster, got the quarterback. Chiefs, great roster, drafted the quarterbacks. Pats, they had the best quarterback ever, and in the Super Bowl, they held the Rams to three points. What does that suggest? They had a good roster. Eagles, it wasn't Nick Foles by himself. Like, Nick Foles was great, but that roster was the reason that team won the Super Bowl. Pats again, they came back, and they, they beat the Falcons, best quarterback ever, best head coach ever. Denver, Peyton Manning is the worst quarterback I've ever seen win a Super Bowl. Obviously not the, like, his peak is Peyton Manning. That version of Peyton Manning was not good at all. Why'd they win? Because they had a great roster. New England again, best quarterback ever, best coach ever, good roster. Seattle, first time under Russell Wilson, great roster. And then they got the right quarterback in there. So why am I sitting here and saying, hey, no, let's go trade in assets and get a quarterback in here on a roster that's not Super Bowl caliber yet? Do we want to have a fun team or do we want to have a great team? Because Great teams are built, and then you add to them. It happens all the time in the NFL, and the Eagles should not cash their assets in and go after one of these quarterbacks. It's so foolish 
I have heard people at this station. This might ruffle some feathers with colleagues. Hate to see that happen. But it's just not the time. It's not the time. Be patient. Let this thing grow. That's where I'm at. 215-592-9494. Let's go to South Jersey and talk to Dennis. What's happening, D? Hey, how you doing? Good. How are you? How do you feel about this uh, this quarterback thing? Yeah, I would like to uh, uh, talk about the quarterback thing. And if I have some time at the end, I may uh, make a comment about Daryl Morey. Mm-hmm. But um, I agree with most of the things that you're talking about as far as uh, Jalen Hurts with his arm power. I don't think he has a big, giant arm. But, however, the part that I disagree about with you is I do believe he can become a franchise quarterback because ultimately what makes a franchise quarterback is wins and losses, not just stats, right? Yeah, okay, I would agree. So, what, what makes an NFL team, or what's the biggest stat about an NFL team winning um, winning football games? That's the uh, the plus and minus tur- tur- turnover ratio, right? So that's all about decision making for the quarterback. And what's the biggest? What's the key to um, not turning over the football for a football team on offense? It's about staying on um, staying in short and third situations. Third and long situations, the defense can pin their errors back, get after the quarterback, the uh, D-backs can jump uh, passes. So the key for um, Jalen Hurts is to stay out of third and long situations. The way he has to do that, the early in the season, they tried to do that uh, by passing the ball. It didn't work. So later in the season, they started winning football games. How they do it? By running the ball. And taking the Probably ball out of Jalen's hands. Taking the ball out of James' hand, the problem is when they play the better team with a better defense and you get predictable, they know you're going to run on first and third, first and second down. All they do is pack the box, make you keep, keep you in third and long situations. Here's the thing for Jalen Hurts. He doesn't need a big arm. He just needs to execute on first and second down, move the chains, get you five yards, hit your check down, do what you got to do. That's, that's what um, – uh, being Tom Brady so great in my opinion. It wasn't just his long ball. Is he moved the chains? Yeah, Dennis. Okay. And, but here's my thing. Even if that happens, and I'll let you make your more point here in a second. Mm-hmm. After next year, he's going to be up for a contract extension, and he's not taking anything less than thirty-five million dollars. Are you willing to commit that kind of money to Jalen Hurts? Um, to Jalen Hurts for yes. him to um, I mean, I don't know. I, I wouldn't. I mean, he would have to win. Not, and, I'm, and I'm pretty sure that his agent and his camp would have to agree to that notion that he would have to win at least one or two playoff games if he expects $35 million per year. Yeah, Anything I mean, Dak, Dak, that Dak is, got is that money without one. So, I mean, Dak got that money with only one Super Bowl or, or one yeah. playoff win. And I would hope that Jalen could be as good as Dak, but I'm not even sure he could be as good as Dak. Yeah, I mean, they had to franchise tag him a couple times before. Yeah, they, which was a about. which was a pain. Yeah. They're paying him like forty million dollars when they could have just done it a couple years earlier and saved some money. What's your point on Maury, uh, Dennis? Yeah, um, my point on Maury is the NBA is all about relationships, and we all talk about you know having Harden, which is great. But the reason why Harden is here is because of Maury. But the only reason why Maury is here is because of Doc Rivers. So we, you know, we get on Doc Rivers about his, you know, his in-game decisions and all. But for all intents and purposes, he's the reason why we're in the position. He's part of a big part of the reason why we're in the position that we're in because the NBA has gotten so political. And it's all about relationships. Guys want to play with each other. Now that we got Harden, we have Embiid, we have an opportunity maybe even this offseason to add a third star. So 
I'm not saying that we need to crown, you know, Doc Rivers the Jesus of uh, the Sixers, but I, I understand that his the value that he brings in, and behind the scenes is almost like he's the the uh, the uh, the brains behind the whole situation because he's the one who got Maury here because of their prior relationship. So yeah, it's an interesting point, Dennis. Uh, I would say that Doc being here, I mean. Maury's been very open about how uh, fond he is of Doc, and I remember his introductory press conference how he said a couple times that they'd try to get Doc down there in Houston and it didn't work out. But I would also say that I think getting paid like $10-plus million has a lot to do with Daryl Morey being here and Josh Harris, who is, you know, he's a very interesting uh, case study for ownership in this town. You know, you have Jeffrey Laurie, who is very involved, Won a Super Bowl, has been a really good owner here for the Eagles. I do have concerns that he's getting a little bit too involved, and now we know Julian is here. Uh, He was down at the Senior Bowl, and he runs the Eagles analytics department. But Lurie is involved. He does all the charity stuff, the Eagles Autism Foundation, which is awesome. Uh, And they have John Middleton, who spends money, usually generally not wisely, but he he will spend money, but I think he cares. And I think he wants to bring a winner here. And I think by getting Dave Dombrowski here, he was able to say, all right, I got a guy I trust, and I'll let him go do his thing. We haven't heard from from, from John Middleton since Dave Dombrowski has been hired, which is a good thing because every time he talked, I felt worse about the future of the franchise. Um, and then you have Josh Harris, who is, like, not here except when there's a big game. And his basically his whole philosophy is, eh, just, I'll pay whatever. Just get me the right guy in here. He went out, he got Daryl Morey, and um, we've seen how that has worked out so far. So it's a really interesting case study on on what the ownership is doing here and whether or not people like it um, or not. Like, Do we like the owner like Josh Harris, or do we like more the Lori Middleton who care about being Philadelphians? It's, it's, it's interesting. 215-592-9494. Final segment coming up before handing it off to Rob Cherry if you want to get in. Uh, we're talking a lot of Eagles, whether or not that you – Want them to slow build this thing like me, build the team first, worry about the quarterback later, or if you want to go get a quarterback now and then build the team, I could not be further from being in that camp. James Harden, do you trust him or do you not trust him? I do. His th- that game on Thursday night was fascinating for me, for seeing James Harden talk to Tyrese Maxey the way he did. And it seems like we're getting a guy here that knows this is his final shot to really, you know, uh, cement himself as a top 25 player of all time. Like, we're seeing a guy that cares about his legacy. But also, on the other side, could we be heading towards Philadelphia being the sports capital of the world in 2026? They're certainly trying. I'll give you that story on the other side. Welcome back. Jack Fritz here with you on Sports Radio 94 WIP. 215-592-9494 is how you join the show. One of those bad returns right there that Battle took put in. Uh, it's one of those those tool songs. It's a little, a little too hardcore, I would say, for this like relaxing. Chains. Is it Allison Chains? <laughs> Same thing. Whatever. I don't care. If it's not Rooster, I don't care about Allison Chains. Calling you out. <laughs> 215-592-9494 is how you get in. And I found this really interesting uh you know yesterday just checking twitter in the morning and um from oj spivey who is a uh writer for the undefeated based out of philadelphia came out with this report out of almost nowhere but he said 
For those wondering, Philadelphia is lobbying for the 2026 NBA and NHL All-Star Games along with the FIFA World Cup because the the Major League Baseball All-Star Game is already secured. So Philadelphia being the birthplace of America, I guess, is is aiming towards 2026 as like a a big celebration, which makes sense. Uh, And they already do have the MLB All-Star Game, which is going to be amazing. I mean, do you think think Bryce is going to be in the, the home run derby? I mean... It's only five, uh, four years away. I guess five seasons, though. Still be in his prime, right? What is he, he's 27, 20, yeah, it's 28. A, yeah, prime's like, what, 32, 33? That's like the end of it, I guess. And who could forget Bryce's last time he was in the home runs every down in Washington? Star of the show. Oh, it was, it was. I usually never get that excited about home runs derbies or like any uh, all-star game kind of event. I mean, again, last night's dunk contest was just a, an atrocity. And that's coming from a guy that actually won money on it. Like, Obi Toppin won. I won money, and I was like, that was a waste of my time. Like, I would rather, I would have rather gone to bed and woken up and seen the money in my account than having to sit there and watch the dunk contest. And I'm yet again saying, just get rid of it. There's no point to it anymore. It's 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 pointless. But I mean, the All Star Game in the NBA hasn't been here since 2002. Um, it was a, I mean, just in talking to Ike, he said it was ridiculous how many stars were here. Um, the MLB all-star game hasn't been here since 96, no idea about the NHL all-star game. The world cup would be borderline impossible. I would think, I mean, you have the link. That's fine. You have the union stadium, which is good, but that's still only uh, seats. What? 20,000. It's like 15 to 18, I think somewhere there. And then, I mean, like Franklin field can't, can't host one of those games. They might if they got it, they would probably have to build another stadium, which I don't know if they're prepared to do that. Um, I know back in the day, JFK was here, so you could do JFK, the Vets, I guess Franklin Field at that point. But I thought it was just, I thought it was interesting, and it makes sense. You know, twenty twenty six is a good time for for them to go in on. I guess it'd be two hundred and fifty years of the country. Um, so that's interesting, and Major League Baseball were already getting that which will be really cool. Bryce will be here for that. He'll be 32 by that point. Hopefully have a home run derby. I mean, some of the some of the home runs we'll see during that. Given what we saw last year with Otani and and Pete Alonso, who obviously was Colorado, so that that helps, but um I we I, I need some balls out of the ballpark. Like like out of the stadium. By the way, they need to change the format. I hated last year's format. I, I don't know how you feel. I don't rem- I, I don't rem- I don't remember. It. Well, they they kept they they you they would uh, throw pitch after pitch after pitch. You couldn't really keep up with anything. Oh like, yes, well I hated that. It was always so funny. It was always so funny. They would say, "Oh, you got to wait for the ball to hit the ground before you can get the next pitch," and then it was like, "Nah, screw that. We're just gonna like call me on it if you want." Um, honestly, all these things are all these like contests are all screwed up now. I mean, like NBA, just NBA, just do the dunk contest and take the scores. You know, like home run derby, you get ten outs, <laughs> like just. Well, like the issue with the dunk contest, though, is that like there are only so many dunks you can do. It's yeah. been one around for like forty years. Like you gotta, we're all dunked out. Do, yeah, exactly. we're all dunked out. There's, there's no, there's no need for it anymore. Um, and it's just like you, you're, you're having play, like Jalen Green. I get was a top two pick in the draft, so like, he has some star power. Obi Toppin's nothing. Like he's, he's a New York Knicks, so of course that gets propped up. Uh, the the Warriors guy was fine. I like I remember the other the other guy, and it was like it just. There's no star power anymore, and like 
again, the, 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 every dunk has been done before. And then the judges have to lie and say, it's oh, it's just as good as it used to be. It's not. Like, it's, it's, it's done. It's done. Give it up. Everyone cares about the, the three-point contest is better now anyway. Yeah, well, it, it, like, you had Cole Anthony, right? He dunked, oh, he dunked in Anthony, Tim, right, Tim's, right, right. right? And I was like, oh, that's creative. I guess. <laughs> he dunked in boots. Yeah, it was brutal. Crazy. Um, 215-592-9494. Do we think that Philadelphia is going to be the sports capital of the world in 2026? Do we think that we're getting the NBA All-Star Game, the NHL All-Star Game, and the World Cup? you buying it or selling it? Selling it? I think so. 215-592-9494. Last little bit here before handing off to Rob Cherry at the top of the hour. It is officially hardened week. This time... Um, Friday night, the Sixers and James Harden will officially debut. And I just thought that Thursday night, it's the last game before the All-Star break. They come off the game Tuesday night where they get blown out at home by 48 points to the Celtics. And it's one of those those games that is, is it's a letdown spot. And I know we don't like to say schedule loss or – you know, these athletes are supposed to play hard every game. Ah, that's how we did it back in my day. It's not realistic anymore. And I thought Thursday night showed a lot about this team's championship aspirations. For the last couple of years, I have never really believed in them being a legit championship team because I never saw a mental toughness to them. At home, I always felt like they were fine. You have the, the, the home crowd. You have Sixers fans. You have us. You have us behind you. They had a sellout streak. They still have a sellout streak. It was the best home court advantage in basketball. Of course, that had to do with the Warriors having a little bit of a downturn. But regardless, they had a really, really good home court advantage. And we all remember Embiid, windmill dunking, and everything's great at home for the Sixers. But it was always on the road that I never felt like they had a level of toughness that you need to see from a championship-caliber team. And what I saw on Thursday was a team that could have easily just packed their bags, say, hey, we're in Milwaukee. It's a boring city anyway. It's cold out, and let's just go get this over with, get back to Philly, and enjoy the rest of or, or enjoy our All-Star week where we're off and we can kind of regroup. But for that team, and really for me, their star player, Joel Embiid, coming off a game again on Tuesday night that he had 17 points. He wasn't the same Joel Embiid. He wasn't the guy that we had seen all year long. For Joel Embiid to go out there and have that kind of performance, and honestly for me, one of those games that the, that the, the MVP voters will remember, him going on the road in Milwaukee, down James Harden, down Seth Curry, down Andre Drummond, like the people were surprised that the Sixers weren't favorites against the Celtics on Tuesday night. It's like, well, they don't have Seth Curry or Andre Drummond. Like, of course they're going to be um, down that. But he was down those guys against a a a Milwaukee team who was starting to figure this out. Like the Bucks are doing that classic. We'll kind of malaise our way through the first half of the season, and we still have Giannis, we still have Middleton, we still have Drew Holiday, we still have a championship core here, um, and the Sixers beat them. And it wasn't like Giannis had an off game. I mean, Giannis had 32 points. He, he, he was just as good as Giannis usually is. But Embiid was better. Embiid had 40 points on the road in Milwaukee. He had clutch buckets down the, down the stretch. 
And those are kind of games that you have to eventually win in the playoffs when it matters. And I had never trusted that team uh, until Thursday night. That, that's how big that game was. But it wasn't just how they played. For me, one of the main takeaways from that game was the actions of James Harden. I had never seen James Harden that engaged with a young teammate. And it had me believing in, even more in James Harden figuring it out here. And, and James Harden, you know, caring about his legacy and knowing that this is his final shot. Like, James Harden looked like a guy on Thursday night that knows what has been said about him, and he's ready to silence all of that. He is back with his GM. He is back with the guy who brought him to Houston, that brought him from a sixth man of the year to an MVP. He's back with Daryl Morey. He is with Joel Embiid, who is the best big man he has played with. And I said this earlier, but they got ball-dominant guys next to James Harden and said, make it work. And that's partially Daryl Morey's fault, but they brought in Chris Paul, Russell Westbrook. You know, they brought in a cook, Dwight Howard, and they said, hey, we know you're two ball-dominant perimeter guys, but make it work. You're both talented. Now he comes here, and he has Joel Embiid, so if he feels like, you know, I'm shouldering too much of the offensive load, he can always dump it to, to Joel Embiid. Is it going to take a little bit to mesh? Of course it's going to take a little bit to mesh. It, it, they're two uh, teammates that have the ball in their hands a lot that are both uh, basketball savants. But what comes with being a basketball savant is also being able to figure out how to play with other talented players. And James Harden is already, according to The Athletic, I'm sure Rob Cherry disagrees with this, uh, is, is the 33rd best player in NBA history. Rob Cherry, James Harden, did you buy that? No. 33rd? 33rd, according to The Athletic. But to me, he's a title or two away from possibly being in top 25 consideration. A title or two? You mean like any titles at all? Uh, an NBA championship. Because he right? hasn't won one. hasn't come close. No, he, well, he's hasn't come been, close. No, he's never been he, in a final. Yeah, but he got to he got game seven of the conference finals against the best Warriors team ever, and Chris Paul tore his hamstring. So if he so wins that, that, that's what you're going with. No, I'm just saying that. I'm saying that he, if he gets to the the finals and wins a championship, he has a chance to put himself in elite elite category, so top five, top 25. Ever. When you count Sixers now that are in the uh, top 75, do you count James Harden, even though he's never played a game here? No, I do not. No, he's a he is a rocket. <laughs> he is a rocket. Um, well, who I guess it would be. Well, Moses is obviously not a Sixer, but he would be considered a Sixer. Well, he was here for three, four years, and right. he won a championship. So yeah, he's a Sixer. Yeah, but he's still. People think of him as a rocket, do they not? I think if you've been here, if you've been in a place for three or four years, and they won something, and they were and they were very very successful, you're considered that's part of because because the Lakers are like eighteen Lakers and eighteen Celtics, but some of those guys have only like did a cup of coffee. Yeah. Well, that brings up an interesting point. Is Wilt, welcome. Is Wilton there as a warrior or a sixer? He's both. He's well, a, first of all, he's three. He's a warrior. He's a sixer and a Laker. I know. He gets all three. He does get all three. Yeah. Because uh, the Warriors, he set the record for points and rebounds. Right. With the Sixers, he won a championship. With the Lakers, he won a championship. I know. So Wilt gets three. Wilt is so larger than life, he gets three different teams he can call his own. Yeah. It's almost unbelievable, all the Wilt stuff. It's almost hard to, hard to believe any of it's real. Yeah. You know what? <laughs> It's like Paul Bunyan. These are like myths you'll hear the rest of the They really of are. 
Yeah. I mean, I don't know which one's most unbelievable. His 40 times, his uh, Olympic records, his bench pressing. All of it seems a little 20, larger than 20, life. 20,000 women? Yes, 20,000 women, quote-unquote, scoring 100 it's points in the game. true. Everything um, about Wilt is true. Has to be. Yeah. Has to be 100% facts. Rob, uh, what do you got tonight for the people? Uh, well, I am going to talk about this, the top 75 list, the fact that the Sixers are one of the top five franchises in the NBA history, basically. They are. They've had uh, a good, long history. Now, I would like to mix in a championship from well, 1983 nice. to now. Well, that's the thing. Is there, there, there are several teams that have dominated as far as championships, the Lakers, the Celtics, and even the Spurs. Yes. So it's not like the Sixers. And the Sixers actually have three in their history. One is with the Syracuse Nationals. Right. But, we're, we're counting those? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I guess if, if the Lakers can count the Minnesota titles, I well, guess we if, can count if that one. George Mikan is considered a Laker because he's, he's a Laker. The, the thing is, when they move from Los, to Minnesota, Los Angeles, Minnesota has 10,000 lakes. The Lakers do not, but they kept the name for some reason. Well, they probably kept the name because of the championships, and they said, let's bring that to L.A. You know that George Mikan only played like six years? I thought he was like the, the first dominant really? big man for like 20 years. Wow. He had a short career. Oh, that's interesting. It could be that was just the NBA. It was something before so, that. Uh, do, so are you disputing the top 75 list, or are you like? No, I'm not. I I I actually like the top 75 Good. list for the most part. I'm not proud of you. You uh, know, I'm glad you're not just doing the old man on the lawn thing, saying these guys couldn't be as good as the guys back then. Well, a lot of the – first of all, they added 25 people. Yes. Since well, you 19, have to. I mean, 1997 yeah. for, to make it 75. I'm glad they did that. I was a little surprised Bill Walton is in it, but because he was like he's only dominant for what like three years. He did well. He he had two two different careers. He had a uh, as a MVP two years in a row. Or he would have been an MVP. But he broke his uh, leg or something like that, and then he came back as a sixth man yeah. and won a championship there. But he was so good when he was when he was on. This guy was phenomenal. Yeah, and I know he, why he's in the basketball hall of fame because it's about college too. Yes, it's a great. He was, may have been the best college player ever. Him or Lou Alcindor, right? Or David Thompson. One of those one of those three would right. probably be it. But that that's why he's in the basketball hall of fame. I'm I'm a little surprised he's in the top seventy five, but he was that good when he played his short career. Yeah. So it's kinda like uh somebody that dies young and gets in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Well, that'll do it for me, Rob. That's I'm, it. We're done? Yeah. That's the crossover. It's your time. I'm not I'm not here to cut into your time. Uh, give me a minute or two. <laughs> All right, well, what else you got? I, I was kidding. Okay. Run along, Jack. All right. I know you got a big show tomorrow to produce. Oh, are you off tomorrow? You I, I took off tomorrow. Oh, because of President's Day. Yeah. What are you doing for President's Day? I don't know yet. <laughs> not working. You have no plans whatsoever? No, I do no. not. But always take off on the holidays. Yeah, Smart we man. try to. <laughs> that's, that's a union thing. You're yeah, welcome. I agree. You fight for us. I appreciate that. Rob Cherry is coming up next. Thanks for hanging out with me the last couple of hours. Francisco Rojas uh, produced the last hour. Thank you for that. Rob Cherry is coming up next here on Sports Radio 94 WIP. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. 
Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Celebrate and save at Ashley's Anniversary Sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of colors starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep Mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.